Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotti. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody. It is your good friend, Dr. David Proton from down here in the North Star Recording Studio. It's been a busy one. Um, let me tell you what's been going on. <clears throat> so, not, nothing bad. Well, it's cold, but uh, I am teaching a university course this semester as I have for the last 18 years. And I switched to a phone call final exam during the pandemic because obviously wasn't face-to-face then and people's schedules were getting all messed up and stuff like that. So I flexed and for the first time ever said, well, we can do this by phone, not, not by video chat or anything like that, like by phone. So you have the rubric, and, you know, we'll, we'll get through things. And uh, that worked really well. So I carried it forward into uh, this year. Um, but in the calendar, then a lot of people have scheduled today. <laughs> like tomorrow, I've got like this crazy day of until 8 o'clock at night is the very last uh, final examination. Then the class is done. So, but uh, but I think it's a good, It's it's been a really good change um, to provide that for students. <laughs> so, well, I guess we'll get started here. Did, did you have an election? Yes, we had an election. Did I win? No. I was hammered. It wasn't even close. Um, so I lost um, like two to one. And uh, <laughs> so it's okay. It is okay. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, it was interesting. I was watching sorry, three screens from me, right? I was doing some stuff Tuesday night and then I was, I was refreshing, refreshing, waiting for the votes to come in. And then like in one refresh, it was like, boom, like a hundred percent of precincts and I lost. <laughs> so I was a little bit surprised because, well, I, my opponent didn't um, participate in the paper interview for our local newspaper. And I, I did. So that was out there two weeks before I donated my book um, to the library. That was front page news. My picture was on the front page. And I, you know, but I, I don't know. It was, I, I thought it'd be closer. I actually thought I'd win, but our mayor lost by the same ratio. So just a lot of changes um, out there, but I I don't feel bad. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those things where if it happened, it happened, and if it didn't, well, you know, it's I didn't invest in a hundred yard signs or things like that. Um, so I think the person who was my opponent will you know represent the the district and and so you know. Um, but yeah, actually, you know, some people have, have contacted me and said, it's probably a relief, right? Because, you know, with the meetings and things, I said, well, in, in a way, um, the, it, it would occupy, you know, up to like six meetings a month, two mandatory um, meetings with the city. And then the commission or these, these committees you get appointed to in the city has like 22 committees. So in that aspect, yeah. Um, I And especially because we have such a short, summer <laughs> like 
literally Thursday, it will be 37 degrees for a high here. So, you know, our summer is like May to September. I, I would even say summer, like our our livable outdoor things, like if you like to bike and things. So um, I'm, I'm kind of glad not to have some of those things siphoned off, but it was a good experience. The post Bob said, yeah, it, it was. Um, I don't regret, you know, running for office and, you know, things like that. I've gotten the condolences from my neighbors. They're like, oh, we're so sorry. I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, okay. I'm not that sorry. Um, but one of the coolest experiences of this was the community forum for all the candidates. And that got heated at times. Um, so because I'm just running, right? Like I have no, you can't really pin anything on me. I'm not the cause of what's been happening. So, um, but there were some times when people go like right after some of the older persons, like it's you and whatever. And like my area of town is flooded and uh, everything in my basement was ruined and, you know, the city's not doing anything about it. So I'm like, well, um, I just kind of got to sit back and watch some of that. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm glad I did it. I mean, if I would have been elected, I, I would have done a good job. Um, but I'm not. So <laughs> again, um, you know, not, not a bad thing. So uh, might've been a higher calling. So yeah, you know what? I, I, New York Outcast. So one of it, the office was city council. So that's what I was running for to represent my, my ward or my, yeah, I guess my ward, ward two. Um, so it may have been a higher calling. So yeah, I, I, you know, with a book, right. Um, philosophy of information is out, which da, da, da. Um, if you don't have this book, I mean, it is uh, out there in paperback ebook, on Amazon, other places sell books, but it's really, really good. Really, 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 really good. I've been signing copies of this book. I have a stack and back me over there, which is all, those will all be sent out. Those will be sent out out of the U.S. So people buy the book and then they'll be like, I want it sent to Quatar. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like we got to figure out the shipping on this or, you know, wherever it is. And then I, you know, charge them for the shipping in the book and sign it and it goes out and it seems to always get to where it's supposed to be. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, uh, it's, that's been good stuff. The, uh, the book was picked up, uh, today was the official release. So like the AP release and some others went out today that was always scheduled for April 11th. That was the original release date of the book. Then it got moved up to April 1st. And because the marketing had already been programmed in for April 11th, they didn't move the release date. Or, or the the press release. So the press release came out this morning. So like that's worked its way around the country. I've been getting a lot of contacts by people wanting to do interviews, like TV stations, radio stuff like that. So responded to quite a few tonight. That similar to School of Airs. When School of Airs came out, I I had like a week of interviews that I did. Um, so it's the same thing going on here, you know, which is all good. So. Um, but it also has been picked up for a couple feature articles, which is good because then those really get, um, you know, uh, saturated in SEO, right? So people Googling the book or Googling my name, um, it shows how far north are you? So let's get that. Um, let's do. Uh, I only trust the local papers a little for national, international news, only the Epic Times. Yeah, I like the Epic Times too. 
How far north are you? I live um, about an hour north of Madison, Wisconsin. I grew up like three hours north of Madison, Wisconsin, but I live two hours north. It has been unseasonably cold here. Actually, the last like 40 days have been, I think, 39 or 38 out of 40 have been below normal, and this has been the coldest stretch we've had. Now, with that said, um, Wednesday will be like 70, but then it drops like 37, then it stays like 40 for like five days in a row. And I mean, you really have to look to May now to get 60s and sunny. And, you know, again, you know, I guess it depends upon where you live. I I wish I didn't live in this state anymore. I just, I don't like the cold weather as I get older. I didn't like it when I was younger, but um but anyway, um, yeah, it, it just narrows. You know, I love biking. So then you it takes me a month to get in biking shape, right? Like you can't just do a 100-mile bike ride after not doing a bike ride since like last October. So it takes a while. And then eventually, you know, once it gets to uh, June, July, August, September, then I'll be doing the 100-mile rides. But, yeah. Um so let's go over here. Uh, um, Travis City, North Polk, Potoski, South Magna, North. Boy, I don't know, man. I don't have a map in front of me right now. But um, if you know where Madison, Wisconsin is, I am one hour north on the interstate from Madison, Wisconsin. So, Polk's Bob. Um, hey, Diane, Toy Town. Good to see you, Jim. Good to see all you here. I had to scarf down some food and a Mountain Dew here before the the show because, as I said, I was doing my phone call final examinations up until almost the bell rang here, and then I had to reboot. I still run on Windows 7, and it's, it's, its reliability has drastically declined here in the last like, month. And I'm pretty close to disassembling the unit and taking it in and uh, having – we have a local – computer place here and i think it's time for this uh the cpu to get some attention so the cpu is probably when i had it built from scratch it was probably like three four grand back seven eight years ago so i think there's a lot of like internal solid stuff that could just stay but i think it's time for the whole system to be upgraded some components and things like that but madison is pretty central right i don't know about central madison is very Madison's very liberal. So we were on vacation to South Dakota a couple of years ago, and, and we stopped in, in Custer State Park, and this this RV stopped next to us, and there's a guy and his wife, and, and they had been retired. They travel the country in their RV, and, and he said, where are you from? I said, uh, Portage, Wisconsin. It's not hard to find where I'm from, right? But he said, uh, well, where is that? I'm like, it's, it's north of Madison, close to Madison. He's like, Madison, that's a really a liberal area. I'm like, yeah, we're not kind of like that. And I said, yes, it is. Um, so he's stepping back. I'm like, no, I don't really subscribe to the Madison politics. So Jim said it was lovely for a while today, a warm noon to uh, four o'clock PM. So it wasn't, it wasn't cold here today necessarily. It was maybe about in, somewhere in the forties and windy. Um, but I, I had to go and um, Rain-X my windshield 
because on my Buick LaCrosse, the uh, <laughs> it's hit and miss whether the windshield wipers will actually work when you move the stock, right? It's like 50-50. If I pull over and restart the car, it usually resets itself. Thankfully, it's still under warranty, so they're going to look at it in a week. But uh, but Wednesday is supposed to be rainy, and I need to do some traveling on Wednesday. So if there was an instance where the wipers puked out on me, I needed to heavily rainix the windshield to make sure I'd still be okay, right? So it is Vanessa. Hey, Vanessa. So, Vanessa, we have 49 reviews out there for School of Airs, so we need to motivate somebody to do their 50th review. We have 49 reviews. We have two reviews for the new book, da, 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 The Velocity of Information, which is an awesome book. Um, so, yeah, I am doing a library donation of this book on Wednesday um, in my hometown where I grew up in northern Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm making the trek back. They did a newspaper article about me and this book, and it, it took up like two-thirds two of a page. It's really cool. And they are coming out to, with their photographer. Same, it's so that's the same guy who's run the newspaper for 40 years, right? So they cover like four small cities up there. You know, it, it's a very genuine, well done, you know, uh, local newspaper. He's coming out and uh, he's going to get a photo of me donating this book right to the local library. And the local library, by the way, is beautiful. It was built in 2010. Um, so it's modern, it's next to the indoors. We have an Olympic-sized pool in the town I grew up in, like 1,500 people that was donated. So there's a it's a, kind of a wealthy community. It has a, a, a lot of attributes to it. So, um, but I am yeah, so I'm donating the book on uh, on uh, Wednesday. So and you know, actually, a weird, quirky thing with a book uh, a book donation is like I. For some reason, like I, I can never sign my name the same twice. <laughs> like my my signature is always real weird and off. So I could I can practice and I do. And I think if I were to write a third book, which I doubt I will, but I would just I would I would sign it in um, just print, right? Like just I have I have a pretty cool way that I print my name that's that looks really consistent, really cool. When I do cursive, though, like it never. You could take a hundred cursive signatures, put them before experts, and they'd be like, "These are a hundred different people." I mean, there's almost no similarity, and I, I, so I feel bad when I sign a book for somebody like in Canada or like Saudi Arabia or Poland or you know Germany, and and I'm like, "Oh man, I this isn't like my best signature. Like I've got a nice quote in here for you. I've got my authentic stamp in the book, but but they you know they don't really." No, but I feel bad about it because I'm like, I practiced. I have like a whole page of signatures I wrote. I signed them with my Mont Blanc pen, Mont Blanc. So the non-fade ink, it's just my pen that I only use for that, the pen that I got at auction. Um, so, so yeah. Um, final warming up here. Still got some snow the other day. Pokes Bob, you're in the Chicago area, right, buddy? So... I don't know, man. I I am so um, so fed up with uh, so fight to repair. Lewis Rossman, I completely agree. Um, I'm so fed up with with just cold and winter. It's just not me. Like I'm the only I'm I'm lobbying to move. <laughs> I'm the only one in the house so far who's on board with that. But I'm like ready to be out of here. I just uh, I 
you know, I love to, I love to bike, right? I'm a cyclist. So when you can only do that for half the year and now, like when you look and you're like, I'm age 50. So like you start to amateurize that out and I'm like, this really sucks because if I lived in Northern Georgia or, you know, outside of Tallahassee and Valparaiso or Port St. Joe or something like that, Florida, I could bike 10, 11 months of the year. No problem. So, you know, it's like my friend Aaron Clary, you know, when he moved out of uh, Minneapolis and went built his house in South Dakota and then, you know, his place in Las Vegas. So he can kind of toggle between the two, depending upon the weather. But like, it is really the biggest thing when you sit down and think about it. And I, it's so weird because I look back and I never liked winter. I mean, there were things I did in winter. I had a snowmobile, I had a three-wheeler. I mean, there were things, but I never liked winter. And I, I should have realized early on when I had a chance to get away from the state and go to a warmer climate, like I should have jumped at it. Um, and I didn't. So I kind of regret that, but you know, Aaron wrote the book reconnaissance man, which I reviewed. I think it's very important that you need to check out places when you're younger um, and kind of match them with your interest. So, I mean, if you're into snowshoeing and, ice fishing and snowmobiling and all that, then I guess this is your area. Um, but if not, like, <laughs> like they know either if you're going to college, go somewhere where it's warm or take your first job somewhere, you know, for a year or two where it's warm, you know, get an idea. Um, but yeah, I did not, I did not do that. So thankfully I do have friends in uh, uh, Southern parts of the U S who are always like, Hey, like come out here. We'll, pick you up at the airport and you can hang out for a week and <laughs> at least, you know, experience what it's like to have 80 degrees and sunny in February, March. So I appreciate all of them. So uh, Jim is saying cleaning out literal dirt and software will help going through and replacing the thermal paste should help. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd have I, the computer. I don't, my computer, I don't think needs to be rebuilt. I have 32 gig of Ram 3.3 gigahertz processor. Um, you know, it's in a big metal case. Like I had a custom built by hand, you know, um, I just think I need to go from windows seven to 10 or 11 or whatever it is now. And then also just a, a clean install. Um, and you know, maybe more Ram. I think I have the capacity for 64 gig of Ram. I'm sure I do. And I know one of my fans puked out. Um, one of my fans doesn't work anymore. So I think just kind of those things. But I don't think anything else need to be ditched. Like I have the CD player. I have like the card reader in the front for the different cards, which I still use for my um, various old cameras and devices and things like that. So I don't want to mess with any of that. And I think I would have, I have a solid state drive from the main drive. I think I'd have all of them replaced and upgraded to faster solid state drives. But um, and my monitors are all new as of 2000. 19, I upgraded all of my monitors before all the crunch out there. So I'm good. I have three monitors in front of me. So I think it's just a matter of, of upgrading some of the components in the, uh, in the box. So it may be going again to windows 10 or 11. So more Ram and upgrading to SSD. And if I won't make it like new, but more Ram faster. Yeah. So, um, so I think, you know, and I, I don't do a lot outside of the podcasting, you know, and I do, things are pretty good. I might get a new, I don't know, my camera's really good. I don't want to mess with that. That's an old camera that I have in front of me, old Logitech, but uh, 
I can do a second camera and things like that. But I, so I don't have to, again, you know, I don't have to mess around with this too much. Um, pick your favorite, make a stamp. I don't, what is that exactly, Jim? Hey, it's Heath. Hey, buddy. So, um, it's Andrew. Oh, he gets girls. What's a good business idea? A good business idea. I was talking to uh, one of my friends the other day about this. I think there will be in the next year, I bet you, there'll be an app and you will be able to get gasoline delivered to your house or to a location to fill up your car because of carjackings, right? I think it was Santa Monica in California where they're saying like there's just this wild increase in carjackings and stuff like that. I believe there will be an app in the next year well, where um, the gas trucks will drive to your house or location and they'll fill up your car there because people don't want to go to gas stations. And um, I think that's one thing that's going to be a business. Um, I also think if you're into education, for example, I think teachers, there are going to be agents like sports agents. I think there will be agents for teachers and it's going to be more in high needs areas such as chemistry, mathematics, things like that, that you are going to be able to get an agent, you know, they'll contact you and say, Hey, listen, like, where are you willing to move? What are all these conditions? And and they'll take like whatever finders fee or a cut because these deals are being negotiated individually by districts. So um, I, it already happens for superintendents around the country. If you're a superintendent, you know, it's very likely that you are paying into a firm that is getting your name out there and stuff like that. But so, but anyway, um, short sleeve suits is another thing. If you can master that. Good to see you. One fast deck, our good friend from Alberta, Canada, man. I don't know what the temperature is by you. I imagine it's colder. I don't know for sure though, but, um, yeah, <laughs> I honestly, I, I, man, I just don't know how anybody lives up there. You know, like I've been watching Curiosity Inc. and, and Alex built his, his house, you know, and all the insulation stuff like that. I'm like, man, I'm like, I just don't know, buddy. I mean, so cold, so many, so much of the year. Plus, like, I don't know, 82 out right now. He thought, oh, man, I, I wish I was where you were at or at, I guess, because. The thing is, like in summer, I have a lawn. I bought a lawn chair last year, like a nicer lawn chair, just so I could sit in my driveway and just hang out and soak up the sun, which I did like many, many days after like, you know, biking or whatever. And and I'm like, I just haven't been able to do that yet. I'm supposed to, uh, the concrete guy hasn't got back to me. He's supposed to replace a concrete pad on the side of my house, which would extend this area on the side of the garage where I could put my lawn chair and stuff like that. But um, anyway. Um, Phoenix has the most bicycle trails in the nation. Interesting. That would be something if I were to move like that. I, I've been looking at like, what are the bike trails? Because it's just, it's such an ingrained part of me. I mean, it's really my hobby, right? Like it is just what I do. So, um, um, it's Heath. Hey, and so let me, let me do this shameless plug here. So, for all of you out there, the velocity of information, it is available in paperback. And I think it's well worth it. I, the publisher sets the price. I don't. So I know it's a commitment to purchase the book. It's very, very well done. 
Um, you know, I spent a year and a half writing this. It had like three editors that went through it, a citations editor, and you know, it's got custom graphics. It's just it's really well done. Like you're not going to read this and find spelling errors, stuff like that. Um, and the paperback is is really well done, also like assembled. So like you're not going to open it and pages fall out, stuff like that. But um, this is a phenomenal book. Ten interviews, Larry Lawton, America's biggest jewel thief. You know, Linda Stone, who was one of the first employees back in the, I think it was Apple era, um, you know, looking at search engines and the whole thing of like, hey, like, you know, if you would return more than 10 results in a search engine search, like you'd freak people out. So, but this is such a well done book. And if you're not going to buy it, please take a couple minutes, find your local library, like, and just email them you know, their email address and say, there's this book, The Velocity of Information by Dr. David Proden. Um, and I want it to be in our collection because it's awesome. 10 interviews and talks about the human condition and chaos, which we're in right now. Like, that's it. And it's amazing. If you email your library and you live there, this wouldn't work for me, right? If I try to email different libraries across the country, it wouldn't work. But um, if you live there, Right. And you say, I, this is my local library. I live here. In most cases, they'll buy it because they in, they inform their buying purchases uh, by what their constituents want, what their patrons want. And if you want this and you you're in that community, they'll usually buy it. There's that it's almost like a 90 percent, you know, that they'll do it. It's really high correlation. So um, if you want to help me out and not buy the the book and again which i'm saying i mean i understand where the the publisher puts the price in that um contact your local library it'll take you a couple minutes i mean you'll find a library site you'll have an email address and say boom here's the book here's the author uh just came out it's awesome and you should add it to the collection for our patrons boom that's it and um I, you know by the way like i live here this is my community most cases they'll they'll do it flat out so um, I'm just checking my my book is showing up now in libraries all over the whoa all all over the country. Um, it was just added in Toledo. Um, let's see where else it's at. Uh, Germany has two. Well, Germany has um, one library in London. Um, Madison, Wisconsin, Parkersburg, West Virginia, Library of Congress, and so on. So part of it is too, like, you have to almost say it's not a textbook because it is from a scholar, scholarly publisher. So sometimes people will will be like, or, or I should say librarians will be like, well, that's a textbook. It's not a textbook, right? It's 10 awesome interviews, including Larry Law and America's Biggest Jewel Thief, who is a character on Grand Theft Auto. Larry's going to have me on his show, by the way. Sent me a really nice email. I sent him a signed book. I interviewed Larry. So, you know, Larry, Larry shows, you know, it's kind of crazy, right? Because he gets like, uh, like $20,000 in super chat for a show. So, <laughs> I, you know, 1.5 million YouTube, uh, followers and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. But, uh, so yeah, I'm going to be on, we haven't thought up the time for that. It'll be soon be in the next week or two. So Larry Lawton's a great guy. Um, so Heath is biking here just at five miles a time. I see I can I can take the heat. People, I mean, that's a weird thing I don't get about people here in Wisconsin or stuff like that. Relatives will be like, well, it's 
you know, you don't want to move to the south because it's so hot. I'm like, I love the heat. If it's 100 degrees out here, like, I will bike. Like, I love the heat. There is, like, it's not a negative. And, like, they don't acknowledge also, like, oh, like, it's too hot. I'm like, we have we have days here where it's minus 30 degrees plus a wind chill. I'm like, so there's a, you know, like, how can you ignore the the impact of how much it sucks to live in a cold environment. I mean, just really, I just, I, I just can't, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, I, I know that I love the heat. I know the hotter it is, the, I just love to be out biking. I love to be outside. I love to be doing things. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me. Like I just embrace it. So, um, if you are working, snow and coal are just hindrances. No kidding. They're just hindrances in general. Um, and it messes with your vehicles. I mean, in winter, I got to always take them in, you know, get them washed off because they're just caked with salt, road salt. Just eats away at them, and that's a pain in the ass to try to deal with that. So what, what winter looks like is taking a bucket of hot water out to the vehicle ahead of time before you take it to the wash and trying to get the, the most prominent salt laden spots loose and then take it to the wash and then two days later it's all back again but you're just trying to then you know you got to wax the vehicle like crazy to build up you know resistance to that stuff but that's what kind of did in our 14 year old vehicle that we got rid of um was it started to rust out even though i'd repainted it personally like a couple of times but Doc, were you Dax stream last night? I wasn't in Dax stream last night, so I was not. No. Um, unless your job business is a snowplow driver. Yeah. And actually, we haven't had a lot of uh, events which have caused snowplow drivers to go out. So it's kind of just this middling, cold, freezing rain, sleet type weather. So, yeah. So if you're a snowplow driver, there haven't been a lot of, we haven't had a blizzard this year. We just had though, you know, one to six inches of snow and just really cold and overcast and gray. So, I mean, I would, I would appreciate a blizzard. Like when we moved here, we had some blizzards where I'd have to, you know, shovel out like the, we have a direct vent uh, water heater. So I have to make sure that that was always like, shovel out and stuff like that and you know get out a couple times to clear the driveway with my snow snowblower right before you had big drifts but uh we haven't had that either so i don't know i don't it just it's not for me like it it there's no convincing for me i have friends who are like hey northern georgia so they'll like send me links and stuff like that. i'm like yeah i'm there or like you know tallahassee greater tallahassee i'm like i'm there it wouldn't take any convincing to move me to a warm weather climate. So, um, by the way, I am in. I am narrating my my book, School of Errors: Rethinking School Safety America. I got the new artwork for it today. It looks good. It's a little off from I from what I sent into Walmart photo to make. So I'm looking over on the walls. It's not. No one will really notice. It doesn't really make that big of a deal. So I don't really care about it. But um, anyway. I have two days in studio remaining, and one will be Friday, and then maybe 
Wednesday or Friday next week, and that'll be it. And then my sound engineer will finish editing things up, make me sound great. And uh, that'll be out in Findaway Voices. So we are all good there. That will be out in, in July. July 15th, the paperback of School of Airs releases on a delayed release. And then, um, but I might release it earlier. I think as soon as I can release um, School of Airs in audio, I will. Although, like, you kind of want a little build up to that, but I don't think I'll do, like, a press release for it. I just don't think it's worth it. Um, but it is, I narrated, again, at the, the local sound studio, which has been a great experience. And I've, I've enjoyed that. Um, so then that book will be out in School of Airs will be in audio, paperback, hard copy, and what, ebook. So, anyway. So... It's not your RAM. Your version of Windows has to work twice as hard to run new programs. Yeah, I need to. I need to update. So, just need to. I meant the unique signature. I suppose it's not a, a signature if you have a rubber. St- I I never sign my name with a rubber stamp, but I do have a rubber stamp here that I had made from a, a small mom and pop company in Ohio, and this just says signed by the author and has my name and the title of the book. That gets stamped on every book that is also signed by me. So it's kind of that double way to like authenticate. <laughs> right. Like if anyone's going to try to resell one of these saying, hey, it's signed by the author, but it is it is a way to authenticate. And I take it the book signing events, right? That this book has been signed by the author, right? So it's the fascinating part of of the velocity of information though is the the worldwide interest in it. When I say that, it's not like hundreds of people are trying to get me to sign books and send them out, but it is a, a substantial number. I didn't have that with uh, School of Airs. There were some, but I mean, this book, and I, I'm not set up for that. Like, so it's been, I've had to kind of adapt things to that. Uh, literally where I'm like, what is your address? And, you know, so I gather his address. I go down to the post office with a book and they weigh it, and I said, what would it cost to send this to whatever, Quetar or Poland or Cambodia or whatever? And they're like, here's what it would cost. So then I'm like, okay. Then I let the person know, and, and no one has said no. No one said, like, that's too expensive because at that, at that point, they already expect that they're going to be spending a lot of money. They just want me to sign the hard copy. So it's pretty impressive. Like, I'm, I'm always like, thank you so much for, for doing this and believing in my work and stuff. They're like, no. So, and by the way, like PBS TV has been showing my 2019 special like crazy. Like it is airing everywhere, but they're really hitting up like um, the Jacksonville, Florida area and uh, Houston, Texas. Like, like it's in, in where I'm at here, it's like a daily programming, like at 4 a.m. or something. But um, I go places now and people say like, you're the guy on TV. And I'm like, it was three years ago, but um, I don't. The thing is, though, it, it times out at an hour, right? So it's perfect in programming. And if there's any violence or school stuff, like people, PBS, like, searches for what's available and they, they pull it in. It, it is just amazing that uh, how much play that that gets nationwide every day. Reno, like, South Carolina, <laughs> Iowa, you know. Um, so... Yeah, I usually find out in the morning when I wake up and I'm going through my email because I have a slide at the start of that presentation that has my email address, my personal email address. 
and people will go back and they'll find it, you know, it aired on TV, but they'll go to like their local PBS, like WXEL or whatever the hell it is. And, and they'll be like, I'll find it. And they'll email me and say, Hey, like, and it's always good. Um, but it is pretty, it is pretty cool uh, to get those emails from people. I respond to everybody. Um, so usually let them know, Hey, I have a new book out, but, uh, but I appreciate PBS. Like my SEO is just wild, right? For you type in my name and you know, all these people, all this PBS stuff starts to come up. So it really helps the, the book too, because in the book bio, like I indicated, I've been on PBS, but it, it just like, you know, it's been a really good thing. It's not good enough for me to be voted into public office in my own hometown apparently, but still a good thing. Windows 10 is cheap. Yeah, I, I have the, you know, I bought Windows 7 legitimately. And I have the code. So apparently, and I have the key. I think I have Pro. So like I, the guy updated a laptop. Mine didn't cost anything. So like for the code, but um, yeah, it's time. I just need to to go and, and do that. But I meant the unique signature issue. I suppose it's not quite a signature if you have a rubber stamp made. So. Heath is saying the easiest and most proven way to make money in subscriptions. Right. You're right. And you don't need that many to have good money for just a service that people will have. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't know how that would specifically apply to what I'm doing. I thought about doing like um, a Substack type thing, but I don't know. I just don't know if I have enough content I produce that is that anybody would, would really realistically pay for. Right. Um, I do think that blog posts are very good. Um, I put time into those, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I missed the stream. So, um, Vanessa saying maybe math teacher hiring salaries will be much higher this fall. We must all have completed a master's in math at the end of 2021 to maintain our math. Yeah, no kidding. You're right, Vanessa. Um, I would say in my state, like math teachers, $80,000. Some of those can be bonuses depending upon the districts where you're in. Um, and also, like, if you are uh, have, like, a language, like um, English as a second language certification. So, yeah, there are definite areas. So math teachers, uh, um, chemistry, speech language, um, that's a 70, not, that, that's an $80,000 hiring plus bonus in a lot of the wealthier districts. And in the districts that aren't, Wealthy. We have 421 districts. There's a lot of parity throughout the state, but um, that's still easily $70,000 plus full benefits. So, um, all right. So hang on. Um, I'm going to try this out here. Don't leave. Don't leave. So do Doc a solid, right? Do a thumbs up. We have 11 so far. So John Rice is like, I'm going to thumbs up. Don't leave. Don't leave, guys. We just got started here. So, um, but hang on for this. So give me, uh, give me 60 seconds. I'll be right back. As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident and what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perodin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network. 
Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information will empower its readers. Drawing on current events, history, interviews, and scholarship, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast-spinning world. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. There are teachable moments on every page. By the Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. All right, everybody. Now you just went and subscribed and, and bought. So one is subscribed to the channel. We've been hovering at 1,180 viewers for like six months. <laughs> like Exactly. So that needs to go up. And the second is... Uh, Go in and buy that book and leave a positive review on Amazon. I think we're up to two reviews now, so um, celebrate that. But Amazon did not um, link out my they, – they messed up on my middle initial for the book on paperback, so it wasn't linking out to my profile. They just corrected it today. today so um, – Here we go. There are two reviews. So book is selling well. And there are two reviews. So let's check on Kindle how it's doing. Doing good. So, all right. So, yep, two reviews out there. So we do have a theme, actually, we'll get into in a little bit here. But let's uh, keep keep uh, touching base here. I don't sign my name for a long time. I sign an R&W like the uh, symbol. So, yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, I... I've printed my name as a signature for a long time. So now when I write it cursive, it's kind of weird. And I just think it also looks cooler when I print it. So although I've like signed most of the you know books and stuff like that, well, I have never printed my name in a book. Um, but I think if I were to like, that should have been my approach this year. I just think I have a cooler printed signature than I do a signed signature, but Anyway, been using a symbol since my high school art class to sign anything. Yeah. Fort Worth has, this is from Vanessa, some great trails along the Trinity River and its branches throughout the city. Yeah, I'm I'm there. So I need to come up with some plan because this was a very challenging winter for the dock. Just for the fact that it is a very long, cold winter. And... I live in the second oldest city in Wisconsin. There are very few sidewalks. So you, if you're going to walk, you're going to walk on the street. So it's slippery, right? You know, it's just really every, every time I'm out, you know, there's some time you're slipping. And if you fall, like I learned to roll into falls, but like, you know, it's things freeze during the day, depending upon where you're at, like the temperature. It just isn't a good place to like, Right. You know, if it's 25 degrees out in February, like, what do you really do? I mean, what what are your options? So I did go on hiking trails, um, which give you a little more traction. And I have like cleated shoes for those. But even there, you know, I'm still like, I would appreciate if this was 80 degrees. So I will buy one 10,000 books when I went part. Wow. Andrew, do that. Donate, donate all of them. Buy them under different names. Makes my SEO, my sales look better. Um, some nice trails. 
I just use the print signal when signing. I don't know why people are confused. It'd be pretty cool. I should use like a symbol. I have a pretty cool signature when I print. Like I do think it looks really, really cool. And I, I'm kind of regretting like I didn't just adopt it. Like what would people do? Like they wouldn't say anything. They'd be like, this is a cool print signature. So, and then I have a list of um, five quotes that I pulled from the book that are like one sentence quotes that I, that I give out to people. So, um, so yeah, I found kind of a quirky thing is like when I sign stuff for relatives, like they do not want the same quote as another relative. So that's a, if they find that out, like they're kind of like put off by that, like, Oh, you like wrote whatever for like, whatever relative. And I'm like, there's like five quotes. Unless you give me something specific, you're getting one of these five. So I always, or at least now if it's relatives, I make sure that it is a, is a different, you know, a different quote. I kind of had like a smaller stable of quotes for school of errors, but it's funny. Like when you sign books, how people, um, I guess, I don't know what, what they, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just kind of a weird experience, but it's been good. So my signatures have pretty, well, it's interesting, John. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's why I never made it in the NFL. If I was to sign merchandise, it'd be like, you can never verify it. Let's get into tonight's show. Um, and by the way, so just to recap, I did not win the election. I was soundly defeated by my opponent. So take that as you will. Um, the weather sucks, but I'm otherwise doing well. And uh, the official press release from the Associated Press and others today for the velocity of information um, came out today, this morning. And that's been working its way throughout the uh, world, right? <laughs> so actually, I get a print, I, I get a link, and it shows like all of the newspapers that ran that ran the press release, and then all of the websites and like media and TV stations, stuff like that. And now I've been contacted by like a ton of like TV and radio stuff like could you come on and do an interview? So, you know, like, which is very typical. This is exactly, exactly what happened after School of Errors was released with a press release, right? So, um, so that's all been good. So, so that's, that's good stuff. So the press release is out there. So let me try to, let me, let me get the press release for you guys. So just, and if you have your social, social media, get it out there. Um, so, bought a bag of Doritos today, which I'm looking forward to later. Um, here it is. It's not the bag of Doritos, but this is the uh, press release. So, take that, share it on your social media sites, please. Do Doc a favor. I'd appreciate that. So, yeah. Um, it's good. Builds the SEO for the book. It's been good to, to be getting that out there. So let me let me just change this here and make that the uh, the pin tweet. Good. Looks like that worked. It's definitely a slim chance that we'll survive this. 
Okay, the pin tweet is the press, the official press release. So go in and share that. Put it on your your Facebook, your Instagram, your Supergram, your Grammygram, anything you got out there. And uh, just with hey, like this is an awesome book. Heavy water saying good luck uh, with the book document copy. Hey, well, great, buddy. I'm a slow read. Don't worry about it. Um, I will. Uh, I appreciate your review and that you're taking uh, that you bought it and you're reading it and. Man, I think you're going to love it. You get to that chapter. Well, everything is great. Like the one thing I did with this book that is different than School of Errors. So School of Errors, I needed to state my credentials really strongly at the start because if you're coming out talking about school safety, like you got to separate yourself from the pack. So there's this, you know, like um, this this uh, praise for School of Errors section at the start, right? And then there's like why you should listen to me, right? You know, there's this whole section. But when you get into the velocity of information, none of that is there. We launch right off the bat. There's like a page or two telling you like, here's why I wrote this. Here's what I'm trying to convey. And then it's boom, it's right into it. And then you have these 10 interviews and, you know, Larry Lawton, America's biggest jewel thief, you know, Robert Travis is you know, two, two years on a crap boat and all this stuff. I mean, it's boom, it's right there. Nikolai Razvayu cycling in Kiev, Ukraine, a day after the Chernobyl uh, nuclear accident. So you're going to love it. That's, you know, chapter two, and then it's just carry it through. So I appreciate that, Heavy Water, and do appreciate the reviews. Reviews sell books. Like, that is the biggest thing. Reviews sell books. Uh, uh, we're at 49 reviews for School of Airs, so, which is awesome. Many of you have left reviews, including Vanessa. Thank you so much. Um but that is it. I mean, people now look and when a book has been reviewed a certain number of times, then also they look at who's reviewed it. They look at um, you know what the person has written, their credentials. That is the biggest selling point of a book is the reviews on, on Amazon. So when you do that for me, that helps me immensely. I appreciate it so much. So today's topic is uh, measuring the wet bulb effect Okay, measuring the wet bulb effect, and we're going to talk about what that means right now. So, one of the things when you guys review this, by the way, I would appreciate is because this came from a scholarly publisher, which also School of Errors did, but it's weird because libraries, some libraries are saying, this is a textbook, and we don't, we don't buy textbooks for our patrons. I'm like, no, it's not a textbook. It's from a scholarly publisher. So you you have an assumption it's a textbook, but it's not. It's not at all. It's extremely narrative and interactive. And I'm talking to you, the the audience, right? Um, so that's that's maybe something if you want to help me out in a review saying like this, this is the author talking right to the audience. There's 10 interviews, like it's very vibrant and stuff like that, because um, for some reason, you know, this is this is being slotted in as a textbook, which, you know, some libraries are saying, well, we don't buy textbooks. I'm like, well, it's not a textbook. Just because it came from a scholarly publisher does not mean that it's a textbook. Like, take some time to, I mean, there's like 45 pages of it on Google Books, like, that you can read. Like, you'll obviously know that it's not a textbook, and anybody's going to love this book, right? I mean, um, so... Jim is saying, I wish you used MLA. I used APA with uh, School of Errors. I used Chicago style with philosophy of information, which I like because 
as you go through and you're reading the chapters, you're not interrupted with uh, citations, just the numbers, right, until you get to the end of the chapters. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, um, I it's all publishing stuff. Like, so, yeah. Um, you know, I'm with you, Jim. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. That's kind of just the way school affairs work. Um, so, appreciate it. Um, so, what what is the wet bulb effect? So let's talk about this. So, wet bulb effect. This is a term I want you to know and use. Um, if I, can, I have my mic here in front of me. Wet bulb effect. Okay. Let me. So I already wrote the description for this book. Um, let me read the start of this and then get into this. Stagnant, sweltering summer day is cocoonous with unshakable pulsing heat and sticky humidity in what is known as a wet bulb effect. It's downright uncomfortable. Our attention deviates from things at hand and centers on making an escape to our air-conditioned cars and dwellings. But the reprieve is temporary, and some of us lack the luxury of climate control other than sitting beneath the canopy of trees and sipping on a cold drink. Can make this a little bigger. All right, here we go. But if that... But it's that combination of heat and humidity that agitates us, saps our energy, stifles our motivation, and can even knock us out with heat stroke. It's uncomfortable just thinking about it. And that's what most people have been doing the past two years, sweltering in their minds. Bad news is the heat and unrelenting information is the humidity. And today's show, Doc, hey, that's me, explains the wet bulb effect as it relates to information and human attention. We'll learn how human attention works and ways to mitigate information overload during the uncertain times. Doc will read an excerpt from Wet Bulbs from pages 74, 75 of his book, The Velocity of Information and Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. By the way, I don't have my book up, so I have to find, I have to bring the file up. But um, So what is a wet bulb? So a wet bulb, think about this. So a wet bulb is actually, you have two thermometers, right? You have two thermometers. And... You put a a dampened muslin cloth over one of these. So this one right here is has a dampened muslin cloth over it. This one is just plain. And then you blow air over this these two thermometers, right? This muslin cloth thermometer should evaporate, right? It should this this wetness of the cloth should go into the air. It should suck heat from the thermometer. And then, so the muslin cloth thermometer should be lower than the normal thermometer because it's been sucking the heat out. This wind goes, this air goes by it. As it evaporates, it's sucking the heat out. So that's the whole wet bulb effect of saying you have two thermometers as you are blowing air over this wet bulb thermometer. It should be sucking heat from it and dropping the temperature of that. So let's say this non-wet bulb, this regular thermometer, is 70 degrees, and this other thermometer has, has a muslin cloth, a wet muslin cloth. It's blow over, air over it for 10 minutes. You check the temperature. It's 60 degrees. So that's a difference, right? So what that means is that the air has been able to absorb some of that moisture, suck that heat from that thermometer. So the difference in wet bulb versus dry bulb basically means like you have this amount of, of um, 
humidity, right? You have this amount of energy that can be um, sucked out of this wet bulb and put into the atmosphere. Now, here's the deal, right? If you have a really, really humid day, it's super humid, super hot, and you do this wet bulb. So you have this one thermometer, which has a muslin cloth over it that's wet, and, you have, and another dry thermometer, and you blow air over both of these for like 20 minutes. You check them, and they're both like the same temperature. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you like this thermometer, which is has this wet cloth over it. It's not evaporating because like there's so much humidity, right? There's so much humidity already in the air that you can't evaporate. So basically the temperatures are almost the same or they're identical, right? 70 degrees and 70 degrees. So what is, what is the meaning of this whole wet bulb thing? How's this related to the book? I have an entire chapter on this, but if you have a wet bulb temperature that is equal or close to the dry temperature, it means that the air is saturated. It cannot take a lot of this heat away from the thermometer. So, the problem with that is, let's say that you're a cyclist, you're a bicyclist like me, you love to bike. And the wet bulb is like, um, you know, the, the wet bulb temperature is two degrees cooler than the dry temperature. So let's say the dry temperature is 85 degrees, the wet bulb is 83, 83 degrees. Meaning if you, it's the dew point, exactly what Heath is saying. It's very humid outside. So if I go biking, right, it's very unlikely that the air is, if I, when I'm sweating, I'm really hot, that the air is going to cool me down, right? Because the air is already saturated with this humidity. So if the wet bulb is close to the dry bulb, right, and it's hot, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to bike because all of my processes of trying to sweat and to try to cool down by sweating, it's just not going to happen because the air is already very humid. So this whole thing of a wet bulb is very important. If you're a cyclist, if you're a competitive cyclist, right, where you're an athlete or whatever, and you have a high wet bulb effect, you have to realize that you are not going to be cooled down by sweat. Your body's, and as the more you exert your forces and things like this, it just can increase your body temperature to the point where you could have heat stroke. It could be really bad. So I understand the wet bulb when I go out biking. If I bike on humid days, which actually I do like to bike on humid days, but I'm always aware of the wet bulb. Like if it's really close to where the temperature is, meaning like if I'm biking, I'm sweating, and there is going to be very little evaporation off of my skin, like to move the heat away from my body and to cool me down, my core temperature rise. Like I will take steps to mitigate that or else I, you know, bike, bike in shorter duration, bring more cool liquid, things like that. But there, and there'll be some times when it just won't make sense to bike, right? Wind, this is Vanessa. She's absolutely right. Wind, if you have wind, it's going to promote a wet bulb effect. It's going to uh, move heat from your body. But if it's stagnant, it's not going to. So there's another part of this that I wrote about in the velocity of information, and let me read that quote for you right now. So this thing of wet bulb effect meaning when we went out in 2020, 2021, and not only we went out, but our phone, everything that's coming to us, everything on the media, everything, you know, you talk to your friends, what's the first thing you want to talk about? The pandemic. When all the information you're getting is about the pandemic and you're just like, I can't get away from this. It's a wet bulb effect. Like it just saturates you. 
whether you're in your house, it's coming through the media, it's coming through your phone, whether you talk to your friends, it's coming through them. Whether you're out on the highway, it's dynamic signs, signage. It says, hey, mask up, right? So you can't get away from it, right? Um, it's just there. So there's a psychological wet bulb effect. So there's this physical, psych this physical effect, which we talked about, right, with biking, right, the humidity, all that. But there's a psychological wet bulb where people get overwhelmed they, they are unable to escape. And sometimes even if they're indoors, right, you know, you get away from things, right, this, this whole stuff of COVID-19 and pandemic and whatever, you still get soaked with it because your phone delivers it right to you, right? You're choosing to get that information. That's a search you're doing. You're bringing the wet bulb upon yourself. But let me read this. So this is a quote from The Velocity of Information, a book, I hope all of you buy. I hope all of you review. I know Vanessa will. She's awesome. Jim McIntosh is thinking about it. He's awesome. Um, here we go. Your phone buzzes. It is a push alert from the newspaper you trust. And the governor's upcoming press conference on COVID-19. Another alert comes in an hour later. Case and death numbers and summary guidance from the press conference. The phone... Hiccups. I have hiccups. I have hiccups. I have to take a swig of water here. The phone buzzes a third time. It is an emergency alert ordered by the governor. If you had somehow missed his commands earlier. On your way home, a dynamic messaging sign on the freeway encourages you to mask up. Hiccups. All right. Um... Mask up. Your televised football game is interrupted by misty-eyed celebrities urging that we're all in this together. Together. The 11 o'clock news will offer the very latest. Sorry about that. In a global pandemic at the height of the information age, we're all wet bulbs. Spinning away, we are not just wet. We are soaked. All right, let me grab a, a water. Hang in there. Don't go anywhere. As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident, and what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perodin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information will empower its readers. Drawing on current events, history, interviews, and scholarship, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast-spinning world. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. There are teachable moments on every page. By the Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. All right, I'm back. Still pickups, which is weird. I don't get them often. So, but oh. <laughs> so, they have to stop. Oh. It's crazy. Bear with me. It's crazy. Salt and service, exactly. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, someone to scare me like a ghost. 
Chauvin back. This is crazy. I usually don't get this. So, oh my god, mm. it just took a lot of water. Yeah. So it's really what it's rare. But anyway, so this whole thing of a psychological wet bulb effect is meaning that yeah. during 2020 and probably 21, a lot of people never mm. got out of the loop of bad mm. news. So, and it, it just burned him out, burned him out. So it's just absolutely crazy. But, uh, but yeah, that's where, you know, like my friend Aaron Clary will go up, you know, hiking and, you know, not have his phone. So, all right. So, all right. Just hang in there for just a second. A second. These hiccups are wicked. I never had these before. I'm back. I don't know if the hiccups are gone. Mm. Apparently not. I threw Musketeers bar, kind of did some jumping jacks, things like that. So I'm out of focus here on the other screen. Hopefully I'll come back. Oh! This is crazy. This will end. I'm sorry. But it's not intentional. <laughs> like somebody will take this and edit it into like a highlight video. What in the hell's going on here? Um, strange. I have no control over this whatsoever. So, um, so yeah, what's, I don't know here, South Surfer. Um, sorry about that. So, well, all right, I'm going to stop apologizing for something I can't control. <laughs> I really can't. It'll just end. I'm just crazy. So it's been a long time. Folks, you should considering buying School of Airs as well. It's very good. 
constructive, informative one is. Here's School Bears. This will be available also in paperback for $22 in summer. Although I think the hard copy for $8 is worth it. <laughs> worth it, but an audiobook. You'll hear me narrate it without hiccups. Um, that will be out on Find Away Voices, but also linked out on Amazon and places that sell audiobooks. This is crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know how it sounds <coughs> to listen to me hiccup, but I'm sorry. Um, wow. Yeah. All right. Seltzer Surfer. I know, buddy. I, I don't feel indigestion. I, um, I think what happened is I've been doing these final exams. So, right. So students in my class and it throws off my eating normal times that I would eat. Right, like get thrown off, and, and I think that might have been a mix here, but I don't, I don't know. Mm. This is just, this is absolutely nuts. Mm. As I said, I need like a ghost to show up behind me. Bah! Scare me. So, no. Mm. I get, it's been once in a while I get hiccups. I don't know. I think it's because I didn't, I kind of screwed up my supper. Mm pattern so all right um so anyway um you know the thing with the wet bulb so again this whole wet bulb is that we opt in to get these push alerts on our phone right we opt in for this uh, information information these emergency alerts um but we could also opt out but we don't because we fear missing out. So we keep opting in. Um, and the thing is like this, this information just comes to us nonstop and it gets ampl amplified. So that's the whole wet bulb effect is that you can never escape the saturation of information. So, um, and the fact is right now we bring it on ourselves. Um, there will be a point, though, when we have to ask, when will it be voluntary? So, all right. Hang on just a second. Another swig of water. All right. There we go. I don't know if that'll help. This is one of the times when living in a haunted house would really be a big plus. Although I'd probably be used to it, so it wouldn't freak me out. Um, so the wet bulb effect, right? Wet bulb effect is when people do not exit from this situation where they are constantly informed of negative information, which is like the pandemic stuff, right? Or inflation or what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, right? So they always carry their phones with them. This is all they talk about with their friends. This is all they get on the, the newspaper, right? This is all they they search for on the internet. So it's this negative vicarious rehearsal. And then you you lose perspective. 
and that starts to really wear you down fast. It's like a, um, it's it's like a pair of jeans in a in a dryer that's filled with rocks, right? You know how they used to like you know stonewash these things. Like that's what you are. You're surrounding yourself with all this abrasive stuff, which is going to wear you down very rapidly. So you know, my friend Aaron Clary, right? Like what Aaron will do is he'll be like, "Hey, I'm out hiking today." You, know, you guys, if you follow him on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, he'll be like, "You know, I'm out here hiking. I'm golfing." Like, I don't have my phone on. I don't know what's happening. Although he takes pictures of himself, so I'm assuming he has some sort of connection with the outside world. But So he'll get home and say, like, well, what happened today? But there is a part of that you have to do to survive this wet bulb effect. Like, you have to exit from it. Whether it's a hike or you just don't tune into, tune into social media or, like, you just extract yourself for a couple days. Because the world will go on without you, right? Yeah, and if there's something very particular to you, like people will get a hold of you, but otherwise they get out of this network. Like you're just sucked into it. So it's hiking. It's a, it's golfing. It's taking a ride, a bike, whatever it is, but the latest hype news, like get out of it because it's, it's just meant to suck you in and it turn, it can turn you very quickly into a, a very, um, where you, you seek negative information, which is called negative vicarious rehearsal. I'll do a show sometime on that. I wrote about it in the philosophy of information. Um, and it also predisposes you to negative information, meaning that you think the next information you're going to get is going to be bad. So you're just expecting bad news. So you kind of get in this mode. So just get out of it. Like that's one thing is I hate the nightly news. David Muir coming on tonight, breaking news. Like we have these important stories. I'm like, dude, come on, give it a break. And that's every single night, right? I used to actually to record the, the nightly news, ABC with David Muir. And I used to write down how many seconds he would commit to everything he was talking to. And you could get to see very clearly. It was just this whole drama thing to draw you in. Right. And I remember one of the craziest things too, of like after the, the fire of Notre, the Notre Dame Cathedral in in Paris, right? Where a couple of days later, he's there, David Muir, and he's like wiping his, his fingers across like uh, ash covered, whatever. And uh, he's, you know, and I'm like, dude, like there's so much lead in what you just put your hands into. And I don't think, you know, they were covered with anything. I'm like, it's just stupid, right? And for you to be here, it's all drama. It's all drama. You're just drama. Like, I'm a scientist. Like I write, I have 471 endnotes. You are a professional actor in front of a screen reading a teleprompter. And yes, you can go different places and, you know, stuff like that. But dude, so, but that's where I'm like, I got rid of that. And it was funny because when I was in college, my one roommate, Nate, already picked up on that, you know, like at the age of 20, he's like, I just hate the news. It's just like all propaganda. I never really picked up on it until later. But so, Again, mitigating the wet, wet bulb effect is saying, I'm just not going to tune into this stuff. Like, I'm not going to go to these websites. I'm not going to listen to the news. I'm not going to. And you're going to be fine. I mean, you can periodically sample and kind of like calibrate where things are at like every few days. But Aaron Clary really has that down. And But there are people, and many of us probably, who feel we have to know what's happening. Or we just have our phones set to that where it's feeding us that nonstop loop. I wrote about in the philosophy of information toward the end. I wrote, you know, we've really been robbed of the sense of excitement and surprise. Meaning like um, we're not surprised as much anymore as individuals because the information is already 
it's streaming to us nonstop. So if somebody wants to surprise you with some information, you've probably already received it. It's just part of your regular stream. And there's some loss in that. Really, there is some loss. And again, this whole wet bulb effect of when you surround yourself with this negative information, this negative vicarious rehearsal, it, it is it is a sandpaper. It wears you down very quickly. And then it also, you just expect the sandpaper. You expect that it's going to be bad news. So there's a fascinating chapter in the book about the wet bulb effect. And pay attention to that. And also just, you can extract yourself from it. You can just say, I'm not going to tune into these things. I'm going to go three days without watching the news or reading the newspaper or the headlines. And your world will be just fine. Trust me, you'll be just fine unless you get the hiccups like I did. But you'll be just fine. Just do that. And and the other thing with what bubble effect is, you'll see, and I wrote about this in the book, people pass headlines. They don't try to verify headlines. They just pass them. So the, the more horrific, the more downtrodden the news, they want to get that to you as soon as possible without any attempt to verify that themselves, right? They just want to pass it to you. So you can share in the same kind of shock, although they've already been numb somewhat, but it still is this this degrading effect on their psychological state. They want to pass that on to you, right? So, you know, um, I put here, there's no use in hovering at the buffet table waiting for another pan of wings to be dumped into the trough. So just stop, like get away. Like if you left for a week and didn't have any contact with the outside world or media, I mean, or if you chose to do this, you'd be fine. Like there's, there's nothing that's going to happen where you're going to be like, Oh God, I wish I would have known this or whatever, whatever, whatever. You'd be fine. So I think it's this whole thing of like how frequently we sample the outside information. But the thing is like all of our apps, all of our apps are designed by these engineers who I don't have the hiccups anymore. It's just good. Um, you know, they're designed by these engineers. Remember like video, video game engineers. I talked to one of them and there was, you know, th- their whole thing was to get you hooked on the video game, especially if it's a, a subscription vi- video game. So like you'd have a dragon and you'd have some like whole uh, world where your dragon would be. And it'd be like, Hey, like Billy, you haven't logged in today. Like your dragon is suffering. Your dragon is sad. And um, and Billy'd be like, Jesus, I got stuff I gotta do. I can't I can't log into this and fight like this battle or whatever. So, but then like on the it would pop up and say, Hey, like for two dollars, like you know, a peasant will feed your dragon, your dragon will be okay till tomorrow. You'd be like, Well, I guess I'll pay the two dollars. So it's this whole like conditioning, like this is so well done, and people are just used to used to subscribing right to the media just like getting all this stuff getting all these alerts or these facebook alerts or instagram or whatever these alerts it's insane but anyway wet bulb effect tune you have the ability to tune out and not and not subscribe to this stuff when it seems overwhelming and all the news is negative it's like piss off <laughs> piss off there's an interesting like uh gif about that um or it's a fireworks and it's piss off, but no, really like just piss off. Right. Like it's, you know, like don't try to bring your, um, your negative stuff onto you're inviting it. That's the thing. Like you're inviting it. You're allowing it to come in. 
And it's, again, it's just coming through your phone. It's what people, you know, talk to you about. It's, it's just like piss off, you know. You really need to sample things maybe once every three days, or you could probably get to once every six days. If you have a good member check, like they'll look out for you. But there are times you just need to be like, I don't care. I don't care. Stock market went down 400 points. I don't care. Nothing I can do about it. I don't care. Um, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do my things. Um, I'm going to keep my long-term, long-term goals. I don't care. That's not what the media wants. Like David Muir wants you to tune in every night because, oh, we have something breaking. Like It's always the same thing Like when it starts with him, right? You know, you know something, you know, this is happening and whatever. I'm like, dude, come on. So, like, I'm 100 times the researcher you are. I don't know about a journalist, if I'm technically a journalist, but, I mean, come on. But, you know, trying to keep it. It's Ting Ting! Ting Ting, you should review my book, right? You absolutely should. Sinclair and Overdrive is an overdrive. No kidding. Every weather report lately... I, has uh, been about an incoming storm days away, us the next worst ever possible storm possible. <laughs> Sensational syrup. Vanessa's got it. I, Vanessa's awesome, by the way. Um, Vanessa's got it, though, right? Like, every re- every weather, like, this is going to be the worst storm ever, or this is going to be this, and it's like, geez, like, it's just not. They just be authentic and realistic. But why they say this, right, is because they want you to tune in, and they're trying to hype and but I, re- I remember, so Vanessa, this is a funny story. I remember when our, our oldest daughter, who's 16, she was she was like one or two, and we were staying up north on a vacation, and there was a severe storm that came through, and it was okay. But um, it was a severe storm. And then, like, the weather channel that this was reported on, this is a northern Wisconsin uh, channel. They're like, we're following this with our, like, news crew. It's like, you know, what, 15 years ago. And they're like, follow it to the next county, the next county. And they like break in, like, you know, they'd be like a hundred miles away. It's past us, but they were not going to let the storm rest. They were going to track this thing until it died. But, uh, but it's like, okay. Um, um, Ting Ting is saying, Ting Ting, you need to leave a review for the book. Uh, please email me. You can find my email contact information at this address, safetyphd.com. Just email me if you do not have a copy of the book. Please, you can go into about the safety doc. I think you can find a way to email me there. But I can only listen to enough news before I go downstairs and start working on my kid. Yeah, that's the thing. Like people, there is this wet bulb effect which is happening right now, and it's especially happening with negative information. It's happened in the last two years. It's burning people out. I wrote about it in the Velocity of Information. It's a chapter. It's a, it's called the wet bulb effect. And then there's also a chapter on negative vicarious rehearsal. Negative vicarious rehearsal means. You are anticipating that something will happen to you that the chances of happening it to you are very unlikely. So the example I gave was uh, there was a family in a rural community, I don't know, Georgia, Alabama, whatever, like literally like 200 people in the community. But they were watching the news and they were seeing riots on TV in 2020 and stuff like that. So they went out and bought supplies, bought weapons and all this stuff because they anticipated it was going to come to their town. And it never did, right? This was negative vicarious rehearsal. But the news would make it feel like if you lived in wherever you were at, it didn't matter that you were going to have rioters come to your town and and loot all of your stores and all of that. 
so these people were terrified, right? So this was negative at vicarious rehearsal, so which we'll get into in another show. But uh, but it really messed with a lot of people. Um, so it all, it happened here where I was at. Uh, we live an hour away from an area that did have uh, violence and looting, and the stores in my area, the major stores, um, fortified their entrances, like they put barricades up in front of them and stuff like that, thinking, well, you know, people could drive an hour up the interstate to get to us, you know, which is logical, but it wasn't, it was a wet ball effect. So Vanessa is saying, if you own the router, ensure it has its updates installed as well as from router maker. So I have to do, I have to really pay attention here to my technology in the next month or two or three, but by the end of summer, like I need to significantly update my my tech <laughs> so which is all fully doable so um i didn't do it last year because i was consulting so much and a lot of my clients are on the west coast they're in california so i have a laptop which is very robust and things like that but it's not like this i have like three monitors in front of me three large monitors this i have like six feet of monitors in front of me so like for this system to go down and to kind of run some of the stuff i was running last year off of the laptop just wasn't wasn't realistic. So, um, but I do need to darken this system and go in and have my, my desktop rebuilt. So, uh, Jim is saying that's fixed. Apparently the router was clogged up with crap in the persistent memory. The reason, yeah, my router also has like a place you can put a thumb drive on the back and save things to the router. I've never done that. I don't know if that's ever a good, <laughs> that's a good idea to do. I don't know if I'd ever, what I would access to something I saved to my router. So it's kind of one of those mystery things. It's like, I don't know if I should do this or not. So I haven't done it so far. I mean, yeah, Google Drive. Like if I have document, usually Google Drive is only where I store documents I use for my university instruction. I don't store anything else there. I mean, some book stuff there, like if I have to access it quickly, like some book reviews or some things like that, if I can like tweet them out, I can quickly go to Drive. But usually I don't put stuff out there. It's our good friend Bacon Maldito from Inglewood, California. Heard you write books. Got a new one out recently. Asked for a friend. Book. Bacon, I'm telling you right here. Bacon, what you need to do is go to the Inglewood Library and you just need to say, like, velocity of information. Buy this book. Buy the safety doc. So it's an awesome book. It's really good. School of Errors was was awesome. It's a it's a niche book. It's a genre book. This is there's something in there for everybody. Plus these 10 interviews. Like I said, I interviewed people who don't give interviews. I I interviewed people who, you know, uh, you have to give them a list of questions ahead of time and kind of build this rapport and like over months. I mean, so you're not going to find these people interviewed in other books. Like they just don't give interviews, but they're fascinating people. Nikolai Raz of IU, Larry Lawton, America's biggest jewel leaf, 1.5 million YouTube followers. And he is a character in Grand Theft Auto. So, you know, a video game. So, yeah, I mean it's an awesome it's an awesome book. Um, I went through it several times, like you know, copy editors, citation editor. There's no mistakes in the book. Like you're not going to read this. Oh god, the spelling errors or graphics are upside down or something like that. It's just that it's really well well done. Um, you're going to love it. It's it's going to I I write it as if I'm I write it as if we're all around a fireside chat. 
and I'm talking to you in a scholarly, in, intellectual manner. And all of you are smart, like Vanessa, Bacon, Ting Ting, Jim. You guys are all intellectual, right? So we're having this intellectual discussion around a fireside chat. That's what the book is. And you're going to appreciate that. And I think, and honestly, if you can leave reviews for the book, if you don't have access to the book, please email me, you know, Jim McIntosh, Ting Ting, whatever, and, and uh, Bacon, you know, we'll we'll fix that. Um Reviews are the number one things that move the books that sell books to get them out there. So it is, it is rapidly showing up in libraries and things like that. But um, I believe this book should be considered for awards, like choice awards and and uh, and so on. I, I just think it's an outstanding book. It's the best work I've ever done in my life. And uh, like I said, there's really this strong um, international interest in the book, which is surprised me um not in the fact that i knew the book is was really well done it's really uh, like i said it's a crisp read because i i took like what could have been a 300 page book and i got it down to 208 pages like i worked really 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 hard so like when you get into it like there's there's no warm-up in the the book like you're right there and it's very crisp and you're going to be into it right away and everything has meaning which is the way that a book should be. Like you should put that amount of effort into not consuming your readers and superfluous information. Like it's right there for you. But uh, but I'm excited about it. Like it was picked up by uh, Broadway News, which is Broadway News is significant. It it uh, has like 15 million unique followers of, or, or or accessors a month. Um, they did an authentic article on it today. So it's just, it's a big thing. It's about um, like uh, new entertainment and and things like that. So it got brought into that. I was notified today of that. So um, it's just really good. It's just really good stuff. And again, if you take the time, any Jim, you know, Ting Ting, Bacon, Vanessa, take the time of five minutes to find your local library and their email address and email them and say, here's the book, here's the author. Usually the last rise be a number which you can find easily, but, um, and say, this is a great book. I want this in our library. I live here. Like this is the library I go to and I'm a patron. Um, nine times out of 10, the library will buy it. So that is a very high correlation. If you're a patron in, in of that library and you recommend it, libraries want to know that. They're like, what do our patrons want? They'll buy the book. So, you know, it, it literally will take you five minutes of your time to find that library. Say, here's the book. It's outstanding. Ten interviews. Human condition during chaos. Please buy it. I live here. I will check out this book. And most times you're like, yes, thank you so much. So um, let's go on. Safety PH. Did I write that? I guess I did. I don't know. So it's my website. Um, so let's see. Uh, Ting, us awesome. We're going to have a mammoth build part when I get to Fort Worth. Okay. It's Vanessa. So. Actually, this is Heath. The weather is changing rapidly with magnetic field diminishing and solar maximizing starting. So, yikes. Thanks, Heath. I turned it off. This is Vanessa and work on leather and woodworking projects, et cetera. There's a limit to permanent saturation. There is. Vanessa, you're right out. There's, there's a limit to how much you can take in of information. 
especially if it's negative before it just like overflows, right? It's you think of saturation levels, this wet bulb effect is a sponge that is saturated. And then if you put any more water and it just rolls over the top of it, that happens. And, and we have to know where that is and, and just, it, it doesn't do you any good as a person, as a parent, as a friend, whatever, when you're the saturation effect, right? And, and you just do other things like Vanessa said, you know, leather or woodworking projects or whatever. Like I worked in my, my furnace room. I put a new lighting in there, which makes it look awesome and much larger, by the way. <laughs> it was interesting because my youngest daughter, after I showed her like what I had done, she's like, this room looks a lot bigger. I'm like, yeah, because like the, the fire side of it was never really lit. And now it's all like all lit up. It looks like just much bigger, but, but yeah, um, you're right on. Um, John, I want to build guns. Sounds great to me. So yeah, go for it, buddy. Um, Toy Town, next COVID strain will be worse yet. Six months, two shots and try rotation. Oh God, it's funny. Um, I'm one of those people who always rotates their tires. My uh, godfather, who is an awesome guy, li- worked in tire business. Um, his entire, well, he was in the military and worked in tire business. Said, Rotating your tires is like the best thing you can do. <laughs> like you get so much life out of tires just by rotating them. But um, yeah. And, and now we're hearing this thing of what, like, you know, new mask restraints or, or regulations coming back into effect and whatever. So it's like, oh my God. So that's where the book, The Velocity of Information Rethinking, or not rethinking, Velocity of Information Human Thinking During Chaotic Times is really going to help you. Like, right, right. Or it's going to, you might already know a lot of what's in this book, although, like, I don't think you will, because I had to find, you know, like the propaganda during World War I, World War II, and, and other interviews and just break down a lot of things. But what you will find in this book is, you will be able to help people around you who start to fall and falter, right, and, and languish. You'll be able to help transition them through and and move them through time instead of this whirlpool effect where they're not moving. You'll be able to do that, and the book will give you the terminology. Like I have the 12 steps in there, 12 things you can do, 12 activities to move people through languishing during chaotic times and it's all research back like i'll say like in this part of the book we already talked about this or this part of the book it's not just me willy-nilly putting this out there it's really good it's it's research-based and this should be taught but the book is something where um and i think you're going to get you you'll see some reflection uh, of, of some other times of really intense struggles so but anyway it's an awesome book um Searching for a brown and sharp milling machine. My dad used to have one for decades. It's Vanessa. If you don't use zero wood oil, you could get syphilis. Toy down in Canada. I use. I just uh, had an oil change in our newest vehicle, and that was zero weight. So zero weight mobile one, buddy. I will do computer upgrades. Yeah, I need to do. So we have a computer place in town, and the guy's been doing it for like five years. Really good. He's like upgrade my laptop. But if I when I take the desktop CPU unit in, right? Like the whole system here shuts down <laughs> for as long as he has it. So I need to really get a, a plan for that. And obviously when it comes back, it's going to have Windows 10 or 11 and, and kind of get ready for, for that. But it needs to happen. I need to do some component upgrades and then also a system up, update. 
thankfully like all the modern stuff and like i like i said i've got a cd drive and dvd which is really cool and i have like all the card reader stuff so everything there's functional it's just some of the the guts need to be mechanically changed out plus the operating system five weights yeah i run f- my one vehicle runs five weights the other runs a zero weight um but uh, Jim is saying to Toy Town, order extra fear porn and get Ginsu knives, a bamboo and steamer, and pocket fishman. Yeah, I remember the pocket fishman. You're right. So that's the thing is we can choose to what we subscribe to, at least now. In the Later in my book, I kind of hint at this point of subscription to the bad news. There's a point when this is going to be not opt-in, right? <laughs> Meaning that um, if there's this whole neural link under, you know, Elon Musk, or if we have like a digital currency or stuff, and you have to, I mean, there will be points where this whole opt-in thing will start to erode, which will be catastrophic. It's bad, but for now, you have a lot of influence over your opt-in, and people love to opt-in because they they love this stuff, right? That's why. You know, David Muir and ABC News does the headlines they do the first, you know, 10 seconds of the broadcast and stuff like that. But I'm saying just get out of this, you know, like Aaron Clary, you know, get out and golf or hike or do other things. Or just, you know, I don't watch the news except for that stuff. When I when when I'm watching news, I objectively am measuring the news. I'm measuring how many seconds are on a certain topic and stuff like that and kind of distilling that out as for scientific research I'm doing. But um it doesn't, it, I don't feel informed. I don't feel like David Muir has some special knowledge that I don't have or don't have access to. I have, my friends are some of the best intelligence experts in the entire world. <laughs> I mean, so like, you know, but anyway, um, Vanessa, Kit Tinting is saying, I have one last AK parts kit I'll be building with my children. I have several P8s. Gotcha. Good friend Bacon Maldito. I've had worse weeks. Can't wait to see if. Um, I make it to Friday without ending up on the news. So, yeah. It's kind of interesting because even though I've had all of this, um, um, the press releases come out for the book and stuff, like one of the biggest things that shows up right now is like, hey, like Doc lost the election for city council. I'm like, come on, give me a break. So it's our good friend Cameron Sanchez. Cameron, if you have not read the book, The Velocity of Information, please do so or contact me and, We'll help you out here. But uh, this thing needs to get a lot of reviews on Amazon. The Velocity of Information released last week. The official technical associated press release was today. So that's where I got a report, actually, like a very detailed report of all the newspapers that ran it today and all the media sites and stuff like that. So it's very elaborate, you know, when it comes out on a press release. So all the places it's shown up, um, which is really cool. And then they're like, it's really like three days out when you kind of get the whole influx of where it's been saturated out. But uh, but anyway, it's really good. Vanessa saying, my router has the Plex server system on board. A thumb drive is its mini drive to access the Plex server. So yeah, I haven't done anything with the uh, the thumb drive option. I don't I don't know. I just don't think I would store anything to my server. But um, so. This is Vanessa. Hi, Bacon. Yeah, we shall bust out. Yeah, I'll be getting. Got it. Vanessa saying, yep, that's one reason I fled Washington State. So I am thinking if I were to move, I'd do uh, Georgia, particularly northern Georgia or uh, northern 
uh, Panhandle of Florida, like Valparaiso or uh, St. Joe's, or um, Texas, like more in the New Braunfels area, those would be kind of my preferences. So now with that said, I would move to any of those in a day if possible. Like where I'm at is kind of a unique situation because we have realtors who approach us on a regular basis saying, we will give you X amount of dollars for your house. <laughs> just and here's what it would be. We'll just pay you. And because we live again, close to the Madison Metro, which is expanding. And I'd be like, yeah, that sounds good. Um, but my wife and kids aren't on board with that. So it's not just me involved in the decision-making, but it's kind of a weird situation when you do have realtors come by and, and say like, we will, we'll write you out a check tomorrow in this amount and you'll have 60 days to, you know, vacate your house. And I'm like, whoa. So I'm like this amount versus like what it would cost me to live somewhere else is pretty equal. But uh, I don't have, I don't have a consensus here in the household to do that. But, uh, but it, it is really um, the tactics and stuff are really increasing here, like the frequency and then the follow-up phone calls and stuff like and the notes on the doors and stuff like that of, you know, so like I said, if it was just me, I'd be out of here. I'd be like, you got it. Write me the check. I'm gone. So all mine, see your UPRS is as the serial numbers. So uh, is our good friend, John Rice. Doc, I have five libraries near me at five surrounding towns. I'm informed. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Vanessa. I do. And it's amazing how effective that is. That is, uh, like I said, I would say 80 to 90% of libraries, if you make a recommendation to them and you live in the area of a book, they'll buy it because they, they're they always asking for that. Like they have money and you know, they, if you live in the area and you're like, here's why, you know, here's why I want, you don't have to write a whole big compelling story. It's like a lot of interviews. It's about chaos. It's got, it's just released. It's got the last couple of years. I, I've read parts of it. It's really good. They'll be like, boom, we'll add it. So appreciate that. Yes. I think the last straw syndrome in troubled uh, times uh, when we snap as humans from the Berlin ad, the surrounding environments get consumed. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa, you got it. Ting Ting, I need to relearn leather skills again. Been a while. So, got it. Jim Mack testing will not comply. So, no kidding, buddy. I did shopping today. I wish I would have got some more uh, white vinegar. I didn't. That is a great disinfectant, just a great cleaner. So, somehow it was not on my list. I think I got everything on my list, though, working on leather cases. So very cool. Uh, Vanessa, my goal is three-week remote secure storage facilities within this country to make build whatever. Yeah. By the way, this is not financial advice, but um, the 20-year treasury note today is 3.02%, which is the highest it's been since 2018. If you buy a treasury note from the U.S. government, it does pay interest twice a month. You go to treasurydirect.gov, you set up a website, you know, and it, link it to your bank account. But um, that's something to be very aware of, though, right? As interest, inflation goes up, um, stock market's going to go down. I, I just do not feel secure at all in the stock market for the short term or, or long term. 
And I mean, if if this rate for this 20-year note goes up to four or five percent and you're not you don't have to pay state taxes, you only pay federal. I mean, wow. Um, that is something to consider because we haven't been in that range for several, several years and it's rapidly increasing. So just for those of you out there with your finances and whatever, the 30 or the 20 year federal treasury note is at 3.02%, which is the highest it's been since 2018. I think it's going to go higher. I would guess four or 5% by the fall. You have a 5% government treasury, which pays you twice a month for for 20 years at 5%, that is a hell of a return. Um, it really is um, with minimal risk because you're right. If that defaults, then every bank in the U.S. is gone. <laughs> like stock markets lost half its values. So I'm just saying it's something to be very aware of. Um, my goal is, yeah, it's Vanessa. I think we got that one. Uh, this is our good friend, Sass One Too Many. He's an Isuzu enthusiast, Impreza's, I think, but uh, always bring my Honda to a Toyota dealer for home change, like to keep them guessing. No kidding, right? Just had an oil change on our new vehicle. It's our very first oil change on it. So it's been going well. So I saw a scratch on the door today, but you know, that's going to happen with vehicles. Um, thankfully, it's black. Like, I think if you buy a black or a white vehicle, I have, I have a black and a white vehicle, prefer to have two black vehicles. I think black is very easy to touch up. So, um, tink, tink. When I had to explain to my boyfriend that engines use oil filters, almost cracked me up. This, oh, my God. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, bacon is saying to says, I take all my two-stroke uh, vehicles to a local BMW shop. Never slump on maintenance. No kidding. Yeah, I always make sure everything is well-maintained, well-maintained. So had the um, self-propel go out on my lawnmower, so that's in the shop right now. I tuned in before when Doc was having some issues, thought I was having strokes to lay down for a bit, and I said, ah, no, I'm good. Uh, hiccups are strange. I rarely get hiccups. So Sass one too many also has done the cannonball run at 178 miles an hour, sustained. So congratulations to our good friend Sass one too many who now lives in a warmer climate. Um, when I got my last, this is Jim McIntosh. When I got my last car, I changed the oil filter several times until the oil wasn't turning immediately black. Neglect suspected. Got it. Yeah, I try to do frequent oil changes. We don't put a lot on a lot of miles, but I mean, I just, it's, it's paid off. Like we've had very low maintenance on vehicles and no engine issues. So... Yeah. You know, this was an interesting part. I remember with our, our dealer. So I bought the last two vehicles new from our dealer. And he said, one of the things, or like the, the sales rep I bought from, and he said, one of the things really is like, people just don't change their oil. Like we'll get a vehicle in, you know, 15, 20,000 miles for a trade or whatever. And it'd be like, so what's the service records? And it'd be like, you know, there's no oil change. So it's gone 15 or 20,000 miles and it doesn't have an oil change. And that also like voids your warranty right on it. The three thirty-six thousand miles, or whatever it is, <laughs> if you have, if you go on fifteen thousand miles without an oil change, but people just don't, just don't do it. They said the you would you'd be amazed, like the people who just simply do not change their oil. So that became one big uh, reason for me to buy new um, and hold the vehicle for a long time, is I knew how it would be treated. I knew it would be garaged and on oil changes, stuff like that, because I'm like, you could get a vehicle with 10,000 miles that's never had an oil change. It's been beaten pretty hard and 
And then you're dealing with that for the rest of its existence. So it's crazy. All right. Well, everybody stay here. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. All right. This is our intermission. Enjoy it. Here we go. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that. That was from our good friend, friend Swamp Dog Armory, who produced that for me. So I uh, appreciate that. So, um, Solitude is saying Doc has 
I know that's a typo. Sorry, buddy. Uh, bet on PBS twice uh, for specials. Uh, Ficken A. Yes, exactly. Uh, Swamp does. Nice work. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. I pissed my pants for saying. Yeah, it's, it's not that bad. Presenting live TV isn't that big of a deal. Um, I mean, it's a big deal, but um, I would say I was more, I'm not saying, I, I know I was more anxious when I present it or start to narrate my book, School of Errors, in a studio where, like, the, the engineer said, well, if you make a mistake, we can just edit it out, you know? I, that was much more intimidating than presenting before a live studio audience. And uh, so that never that never bothered me, but... The only thing is you have to get the timing down when you present on PBS. And I'll do a show on that sometime because I, I want to talk about that whole experience because of what it's like from a presenter standpoint. It's all about timing um, because it has to come in at an hour. And they can do some things to edit it. Like my first show was over an hour, so that didn't get syndicated as much. And the second show was an hour. So it's easy syndication for Jacksonville and Houston and like all these places to put it in. Um but it is in real time when you're delivering this, like you practice so many times, but then you get all these color-coded signals and stuff coming to you on the monitor and, and people in the audience. I mean, to get it to the exact within, literally like present and you end within like five seconds of where you're supposed to end for an hour show. Like there's really an art to that. And I hit it the second time, which was really cool. So both presentations are good, but the first one, because it's an hour and 20 minutes, it's just, it's very difficult to syndicate. Doc has done really cool things. Thank you, Sal. I appreciate that. So I've done things which, like, I don't know anybody else has done, right? Not to try to toot my own horn, so yeah, but I don't, I don't know anybody who's been on PBS twice for specials, right? Like, it's a lot of work with that. And I don't know anyone who's written two nonfiction books under contract. But yeah, Piccolo and Akeen, that's the song. You got it. Um... Even thinking about doing a live stream makes me want to be, oh my goodness, Ting Ting. So yeah, I love the live streams. I really do. Being, when you, when you gear up for a PBS presentation, for example, um, first of all, it's like six months in advance that you're preparing and then your stuff has to be approved. And, and there's so many steps to that, but you get there hours ahead of time. You do a complete dry run of the presentation to a non-studio audience where they're checking camera settings, all of that. You're checking all your stuff, your content. And then um, when people do start to filter in and, you know, they're they're telling people what to do and <laughs> what to do during a live show and what not to do. And then, you know, you have specific places you have to stand. You have monitors in front of you that only you see that no one else sees, like you're getting feedback from the booth and stuff like that. But um it's, it is really interesting. Like I always, I love both my presentations. They were awesome. Um, but it is, it is a quite an experience to go live and know that you're presenting to the entire country. Right. And, and there's like a three second delay. Right. So, um, but it is, it is amazing to, to do that. And, and I love, I live for that stuff and I love it. And I would actually like to go back a third time and, and, uh, present, but, um, it is, it is, it is really something. And then people afterwards, the, the audience will dissipate to some extent and then people stay and they ask you questions. So that never gets on TV, but it's a couple of hours where people stay and they ask you questions, right? So you're answering these from the stage. And, and then afterwards in 2019, when I got done, um, people 
followed me and they said, Hey, would you like to go downtown to like a bar and a, a, like a pub, right? You know, sort of like food and beer and drink stuff like that. I said, sure. So I went and then, you know, I was hanging around with like 25 people till like two, three in the morning. And they just were, they like wanted to hang around with the person that just presented on national television. Right. You know, they were asking me questions, stuff like that. And, and I think I told the story, like I couldn't find my car afterwards. And it's not because I was drunk. Cause I wasn't at all. Um, I was very responsible, but I, I, I wasn't used to the area. Right. And I got there during the day and I had to park in a parking ramp that was a little ways away and some, I think I took a picture of it, but I'm like, it was nighttime. And I think it was also raining. So I'm like, I just didn't, I couldn't, I'd been moved to so many different places in this. I had no idea where I really was. So I'm like, I'm, I don't know where my vehicle is. So then like maybe like five people stayed with me and they're like, we will help you find your vehicle. And eventually we found it. Like, I mean, here's the image and they're like, we think it's here. And then, you know, we, they walked down and I saw the vehicle. I'm like, there it is. It's a big party, you know, that we celebrated the high fives. We found the vehicle. I got out of there, but uh, like three of them were was really tired, but it was really cool. Like, I mean, then, I mean, it was, and we went, we would go place to place and they would introduce me as like, this person was just on national television like two hours ago. So it was, it was like one of the best things um, of my, my life. I mean, it was really, it was really just great. Like the first time was really good. The second time was much better, though, because I kind of knew what to expect. And 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 then, like, I just had this audience following where I didn't really have that the first time. The, the second time was this whole audience um, that just, like, wanted to hang out. So, I don't know. It was, it was just cool. I, I do. I, I'll, I'll do a show on that sometime, and I'll, I'll write out, like, we'll talk about, like, what it what it what it's like to first, like, make this contact with PBS about maybe doing a show and then, like, how to prepare it, which took months. And then you have to get things approved. Like I got to get things approved by the department of defense that I showed in the second show. And, and then like what it's like to get there and like things you never do when you're on PBS. So like I will watch PBS presentations and I'll be like, that person just made a big mistake. <laughs> and one is like, you never look over your left shoulder on PBS. Like that is a, you're, you're never supposed to be like, you're looking at a screen, right? Even though the audience has a screen of things you're presenting, right? That's all with the, so the cameras are on you and they will cut things in and out, but you're never supposed to point to the actual screen that the audience is seeing. So I got that down really fast, but I can see other people make that mistake, like big time people. <laughs> like, so I'll be like, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. So like they'll edit away or they'll edit some still clip in, but I'm like, there's a mistake they made. Um, and, and then like, like I said, the second time I got to it, like I just, I knew it, like, I, you know, I kind of knew what to expect and I had the timing down and everything. And um, so that one really, like really roared. Like that was just a, that was just a, like I said, both presentations were really good, but uh, it's kind of funny because like I said, people, people recognize me from the PBS presentation, especially in my area. Like it shows enough around here, but like people um, I've, and that's where the book has a lot of good cross SEO from the, I mean, if you type in my name right now in a Google search, you'll find the PBS presentations that I've done, like in Jacksonville or Reno, like where they've been put into recent programs, stuff like that. So it's kind of cool. So anyway, not to toot my horn, but it is, is a really cool thing. Like I never thought I'd present on PBS. 
I never thought I'd repeat present presenting on PBS and in, in like the two books and things like that. So I had a lot of time. I had a fun time. Like I had a great time hanging out with uh, people afterwards and, you know, so no countrywide stuff for me, but tons of large auditorium teaching, etc. It's from Vanessa. So yeah. Um, ben on cheap beer because lack of money. Jeez, like inflation is just nuts. I think inflation, didn't the White House kind of today say like, hey, we're going to give new inflation numbers and they're going to be not what you're expecting me like higher. But I mean, you get out there and I, I 11, 15% inflation, that's just going to be nuts. Ice House. No, I remember when I was in college, we used to do Milwaukee's Best. You could get a case of that for like three bucks or something. It's just so, so horrible, effective beer, what it needed to do. Um, Vanessa saying, Guinness Foreign Extra Stout. I do like uh, stout beers, by the way, um, like heavy stout. Always on cellar taps with the dregs milk. Kind of to a dark beer. You are a dark beer guy. Yes, I am. That's kind of my thing. Hang in the chats with me then. <laughs> all right. I don't like IPAs. So, all right. Before we continue, two things. This is my new book, which released last week. Please consider either purchasing this in paperback, which is a very good paperback form. It's over. It's too far for me to reach. But um, this is really, really well done. You're going to value this. Like this will will have an impact on you. Um, and consider, please consider emailing your local library and saying, hey, I live here. <laughs> like this should be in our library. This is 471 endnotes, 10 interviews. It's very well done. People would benefit from reading this book versus, you know, the seventh edition of Pippi Langstalking or whatever that is, you know, um, whatever. Or, you know, a new Encyclopedia Brown or something like that. Like, this is the scholarly work that everybody will love. I mean, there are stories in here about the America's biggest jewel thief, you know, right? So, I mean, there's really cool stuff. If you're a history person, like World War II stuff, and, and there's just awesome stuff in here. So do me that favor. The other part is, if you haven't already purchased this book, consider it. School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety. It's more than school safety. There's a, a half this book is devoted. This book was originally titled Lessons of Lower Manhattan. Half of this book is about the uh, rescue of 500,000 people in nine hours from Lower Manhattan on 9-11. This is a phenomenal book. Vanessa can attest to that. 30 bucks. If you wait till July 15th, it'll be out there 22 in paperback. But this is a really, really good book. Again, written in first person me talking to you. Um, so, yeah, there's much. And if you're a parent, right, or if you're an educator, you, you know somebody, you know, who's a parent with their kids in school, read this book, get an understanding of how social proof works, right? in schools and how the, some of the crazy purchases happen. Chapter 28, Bollards and Planters is one of the favorite, my favorite chapters in here when I wrote that one. Um, so it's really well done. Um, so, you know, kind of both of those flavors. Taurus, talking about similarity, normalcy, bias. That's represented strongly in both books. I think um, it's one of those things like you read both books, you're a better person for reading both those books. And you will have a dialogue with people in a different way that you've had before. It'll change your lenses as you look at things also. You'll have that. But it's this whole easement into discussions that 
you wouldn't have had before. Not that you're not smart people like Jim, Vanessa, Bacon, you guys are. But like I, because I've worked in a school setting for 25 years, right? And all stuff, like I put it together in a way that gives you an easement and you're all taxpayers. Like all your, you're putting your, your hard earned money into this is at least you kind of know the other side of it that I reveal. But I, I, I truly believe that both of these books are, are something that when you discuss them with other people, it adds value to them. You're adding value to them. And, and they then share that and add value to others. So, and they're really interesting. They're really interesting books. So, um, so let's see. Vanessa saying, yeah, Jim, I tried a black cherry hard cider. I had high hopes for it, but on tasting, it came out right back out. So I don't know. Unfortunate. So I am more of a vodka and uh cranberry juice person myself it's kind of where i'm at right now but we are two months away eh, nah, i don't know somewhere in there where we usually take a family vacation so i say it because the place we go has like a lot of distilleries and like a little home breweries and stuff like that so which is nice because like where we stay we can walk to all these places so um Bacon Ting Ting is saying, Ting Ting, by the way, like seriously, like contact me if you have, if you want to be a part of reviewing the velocity of information. It's here at safetyphd.com. Go in there. Um, there are ways you can find out how to contact me. So, not safety P. Sorry. I'm typing underneath my microphone. So, Sorry about that. It's disheartening. I could technically block that user, but that's myself. Pit, potato vodka. Wow. Jim McIntosh. Oh, I don't drink much soda anymore, but I want a sugary treat. I like the Fago black cherry soda pop. Yeah. You know, I I've I don't do much for sugar anymore. And I kind of I'm kind of realizing I'm not taking it enough fat in my diet. It's taking a little more fat, especially like when I start biking. Um, I, I run a pretty lean diet. And uh, so I need to, to do um, kind of more fat in my, my diet. But whatever um, for me. Pitcher Doc is more of a bourbon. No, yeah, I don't know. I'm a Long Island iced tea. My God. I could Long Island iced tea till the sunsets and rises. But um, otherwise, it's really a vodka and cranberry. It used to be a rum and Coke, like a, a Sailor Jerry's, but then it just got too sweet, man. I just couldn't, you know, it, it just, I don't know, just too sweet and turned me off. So, but for years, that was kind of the thing, like a rum and Coke, the Sailor Jerry's and Coke, but just not into the sweet stuff anymore. It's our good friend Bull Rush. Love lower that A1C of fatties. So, wow, kind of a out of the gate strong statement there from Bull Rush. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things I know when I bike and some of the other things is I don't have enough fat in my diet actually. So I need to kind of superimpose that over into my diet. Um. 
So guess me as a scotch guy. I'm open to anything. Whiskey, scotch. Just bring it over. So appreciate it. Sass. Cranberry, seltzer, edging. I'm I'm with you. So I've had cranberry and uh, vodka and cranberry is kind of my go-to. I really, that's my, I like it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Rum has gotten just too sweet for me. I've, I, maybe it's just getting older. Like, I don't know if that's a thing, but like, it's just too sweet. I just am like, this, I'm just not a rum guy anymore. Ting Ting, that's all right. No one's English is perfect. It's the message being conveyed, not just the way it is. Got it, Bacon. Good vodka tastes like potatoes. This is true. So, no kidding. Let's go back to um, my, my notes here. Let me show you, actually, my notes so you don't think I'm just winging this. I do. This will be a blog post tomorrow. Tomorrow's a pretty crazy day. I have like six final exams tomorrow. Not that I have to take, that I have to give. Um, so here's my notes, by the way. There are the show notes. So let's make those a little bigger. So see, like these will all be a blog post. I have that already roughed out. There's the keywords, tag words. So all right, let's get out of, well, let's stay in this. Wet ball effect. Um, okay, so we already talked about this um, foam buzzes. Okay, wet ball effect right here. Okay, so I'm looking left because I have a monitor on my left where it's larger. But begin by acknowledging your behaviors. Short-tempered, frustrated, overwhelmed, unable to attend a task. These are reactions to stimuli. Change the channel. Or better yet, turn off the receiver. The information is still hammering down on you. If you've turned off your receiver, oh, mistake here, okay. Da -da -da. Your attention shifts to the hike or the golf game. Remember Aaron Claire, a good friend who hikes and golfs, doesn't check in on the news. And you seemingly be the last person around who hasn't heard the latest hype news, which actually likely won't have a significant impact on your life. And what are you doing to do, or what are you going to do about it? During uncertain times when media and people feverishly pass headlines, take a pass. You can simply from time to time and and you can sample from time to time, right? Every three to five days and get the information you need. If someone suddenly really going down, people let you know about it. No use in hovering at the buffet table waiting for another pan of wings to be served. Up in to become forced. And I put here becoming, um, this is important. So I, we're, we're kind of butting up against this, putting a toe in the metaverse, right? The metaverse. Real-time digital tracking of our phones and cars, which is happening. And Elon Musk hints of neural links are all easements or are the encroachments into a life where opting in will require effort and consequences. How are you preparing for an omnipresent wet bulb? Meaning like, you know, if you're in the metaverse or if you're in this neural link in 10 or 15 years, like you'll always be connected. You'll never be disconnected. So how do you deal with that? So I don't know. Unless, and and how much force will it take to say I'm not participating in this, like um, I'm not participating in a digital currency when 
you know, kind of everybody is, and they're expecting you to do digital currency. Like how much, um, right. So let's go over to the, the chat. So remember wet bulb effect is saying you're, you're saturated with negative information. It could be good information, but I guess if you're getting good information, like you'd want that to keep coming. But, um, and the fact is people just draw it on themselves. They get, they get, you know, more and more phone alerts of people they talk to, the media, the dynamics, messaging, signs, whatever. It's all negative. So just like, screw it. Get out of it. Is it really going to end the world for you? And it's like, no. So um, let's go back here. So... So good friend Bullrush saying, I took a break from reading your book to watch your stream. Guess it's at the safety bot doc night tonight. You bet. So you have a hard copy of that book, which is uh, pretty fantastic, my good friend. Appreciate it. Finesse is saying, cranberry juice with vodka and deep freeze. And I say, ah, yeah, I'm there, cranberry. You do a little line. I'm pretty, pretty easy going. I'm just the sugary stuff I just can't handle anymore. I think it's the age thing. Sass, same bull rush. Good vodka tastes like Russian mail order brides. I don't know about that. Does Doc like redheaded yikes? Don't know what is all up on that. But uh, so I'm getting, I am getting to be an old man. So <laughs> I don't know what the fan club here of, of Doc of Doc is. So it's kind of funny. Although like I still have the full head of hair and it really hasn't peppered out much which is uh my hairstylist is she's i don't know if she's amazed but she just said you for your age like your hair one grows really fast and it's always very thick so like in four weeks it grows out to like crazy levels and then you know she cuts it and she's like so like it's good i'm like yeah it's, it's good stuff so like people misplace my age like i'm 50 and most people don't think i'm 50 so, because, right, you know, the hair and not many wrinkles, I guess. So, whatever. I'm very disagreeable, which is 50. I'm more disagreeable than I was in the past. So, um, yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, this is our good friend, Bacon. Don't lie to Estaca. You're off the Sailor Jerry's because you don't want Vince and the gang to make fun of you for drinking all the rum like they do Cappy. Yeah, Cappy's a rum-aholic. Okay, is like a bottomless pit of rum. So I don't know. I was really big on rum. I have different, you know, different kinds of rum, but it's just, I don't, and again, I think, I believe this is age related. I think you get to a point where the sugar just does you in on this, the sweetness of some, but I guess that doesn't hold true on the long Island iced teas because those are sweet. I guess they're, they're not quite as sweet or the, I don't know. But yeah, I've, I've just, I'm just gone. I just can't do rum anymore. It's a drink with vodka and cranberry. Yeah, Arnold Palmer, maybe. I used to, uh, this is I used to be able to eat fire sauce. Now I can't even stand tobacco sauce. I'd love Tabasco. I love hot sauces. I have a, a collection of hot sauces. <laughs> the inner fridge is like just a, a section of my different hot sauces for, um, you know, a lot of stuff. So I, I will hot sauce the hell out of anything. I have no issue with hot sauces at all. Like the hotter, the better. So, um, John Rice, who isn't? This is a good friend, uh, a good friend of Bullrush. Um, Ukrainian. Oh my goodness. 
I have uh, moonshine filled with cranberries in the freezer. Vanessa, go for it. I could I could use that right now. I might plant Carolina Reaper seeds soon. Nice, Vanessa. This is Bullrush. To beat Skynet, we must become Skynet. Yeah, so my Windows 7 operating system here would get its ass kicked by Skynet. Um, it is only um, uploading like half the time right now. So that is very disheartening. <laughs> I, so it is It is a big signal to me. Like I have to restart the system and shut everything down. Like you have to hold the, the button in for 10 seconds. And I'm like, oh, God, this isn't good. But yet, like I know it's like a solid computer. Like this is, you know, all custom built and stuff. So it's just a, it's time, right? It's time to go in and and to get it through the shop here. But uh, But yeah. You know, so I was talking to um, a school administrator tonight, by the way, and I said, you know, what is your, or I asked, I said, what is your school doing for deep fake um, harassments? And they're like, well, nothing yet. And I'm like, well, it's starting to happen. So people will make deep fakes or other students or staff members, whatever it would be. Like, here's a student who is smoking and they weren't smoking. It's just a deep fake done with like a reface app or something like that or whatever. But not to send reface app, you know, down the river. It's not it's not that. But I'm just saying like that gives you an idea of capabilities. Right. But um, but I said this this is happening It's happening more prevalent, right? You have to, to what, what are you doing for policy or training? They're like, nothing. <laughs> I said, you know where this is going to end? It's going to end in like some software company that's going to come up with something you're going to be able to run videos through and determine if it's a deep fake, but they'll only have a confidence level, like 80% deep fake, 50%, 20. So I said, this is a big thing. Like you, you kind of have to be aware of like, I'm old, like I'm out of the profession. You're young. Like you have 20 years left in this. Like you've got to be thinking about this. You don't have to have it figured out, but like if you're applying for your first administrative job, this is something you should mention, like that you're aware of this and, you know, there has to be an interface between policy and and investigation. I, and I don't know anybody has the answers to this, but at least like I said, that will give you heads, that will give you a lead in an interview. Like if you're talking about this stuff, like every school district has this fear. And if you say like, I'm aware of this and I want to be part of the solution to this, like you have a better chance of getting hired. So again, from the old man here, it was kind of out of the mix. So yeah, somebody shared something with me tonight in one of the finals earlier tonight of, of something I had no idea about. <laughs> and they're like, did you know about whatever, like act 133 or whatever? I'm like, I, I seriously did. Like, I'm up on most things, but like, I don't know what that is. What's this? I'm like, well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, Shine, this Jim Shine is a new project, but not for drinking. For my next used car, it will have the engine modified to run on that. Screw these fuel cuts. Yeah, remember the whole, what the hell was it? Running on ethanol, right? Or the E85. Like we had a car on the back that said this, you know, E85. I'm like we never once put that in it. But we, around us, we had big manufacturing plants put up for that. Like within 15 miles of us, like two of big manufacturing plants for this E85. And now it's like not being used anywhere and it's kind of dying. And right, if you're going to have corn shortage or, or food shortage, like you're not going to turn corn into E85. That just doesn't make sense. So they chose poorly. Jim, how many gal month is your goal? How many gallons a month? Jim, how, how many gallons a month is your goal? So I guess that's toward Jim McIntosh. Oh, moonshine. 
Um, good question. So this is uh, Ting Ting. Ah, Bull Rush eats mail order brides for breakfast. Ah, Bull Rush. Ah, Bull Rush. Like 22 inch monitors. That guy. Bacon. The Coop of C and T. A Designs. Yeah. Thought that this was the place for us degenerates. Well, that's cool. CNT Designs, I appreciate that guy. So sometime I may have some cool design in the back made by him. I don't know what it would be, though. Like, I, there's there's not really a safety dock logo. There is, like, what you see in the corner, but, like, that wouldn't be worth his time to try to manufacture that metal. Like, he has, his talents are far beyond trying to create something like that, right? Like, I don't know what a safety dock metal artwork would look like i mean he's a he's a super talented guy like he could come up with something it just it's not going to be that um should have told her that's not the only thing that grows oh my goodness bull rush look at bull rush we call cappy the saudi arabia of hatred cappy yeah one of these so cappy bought a classic car this is a true story last summer and uh so he calls me up and he says um, hey, I'm going to be in your area. Like, you know, let's do breakfast, stuff like that, which we did. Like, so maybe like three times a year, Cappy and I will like, you know, meet up for breakfast or lunch or something. Or, and uh, so there's this classic car that he bought. Really nice car. Really nice, really nice vehicle. And uh, and we get into it. And the first thing he does, this is completely true. He hands me a fake seatbelt. And he said, put this over yourself. So it looks like you have a seatbelt. And uh, I'm like, uh, what? Because apparently, I don't, I don't understand. I didn't understand the whole deal of like, if you have the vehicle and if you're driving it under regular license and you have to have it retrofitted with a seatbelt, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't get this, but it's a really cool vehicle. And I just like, sounds good. <laughs> so, so I basically like wore a seatbelt as an accessory that Cappy, uh, Cappy just handed me. So, we're driving around in this this classic car that he bought, and I have this. Uh, it's, it's like it, I felt like I was in the movie Tommy Boy with uh, David Spade. So, and pretty soon I was waiting for Cappy to go. Bees, bees in the car, bees everywhere. I'm allergic. Like, get out and run like crazy. Save yourself. We didn't get to that point, but so I appreciate him as a friend. He's a, he's a great guy. He's been a really good friend of mine for a number of years. Um, but that, that was a funny, that was a funny story. <laughs> that, was, that was just quirky. I mean, like, to, and again, to be our age, like Cappy and I, and be like, here, like the seatbelts, which is attached to nothing. Right. I don't know. Depends on how many cars I'm barely starting. I saw a countertop five gallon unit for 150 vacuum, not heat. It's from Jim McIntosh. Um, this is our friend, Sasta one too many who did the cannonball run up in Connecticut. 178 miles an hour. That was an average speed. So it's good. Kind of got the thing is you got to worry about the tires that because the tires kind of if you don't have really really good tires at a cannonball run, that's where you start to run into issues. So it's tires. So I think he runs Goodyears or Michelin's. So they are reactionary like not like the whole world nowadays. Yeah, I want to have you on the show sometime again. That's too many, by the way. Um, Fuel independence is sick, Jim. Good luck. Yeah. You know, actually, we have, so we bought a new SUV, which doesn't get great gas mileage. 
which kind of sucks <laughs> right now, right? Like the last 10 or 15 years when gas was pretty affordable and now we we got rid of a more fuel efficient vehicle that w- was older and did have its issues and it was time to get rid of it for a an all wheel drive SUV, which does not get good fuel efficiency, but we don't drive it a lot. So it's not like it's that big of an impact. It's not like it has to drive like 50 miles to work every day and stuff like that. But I'm like, what the hell? I filled it up today and it was the most I've ever spent i think in my life filling up a vehicle so but you know bacon maldito uh still waiting on someone to deep fake me behind the counter of my local arby's doing lines of coke off filipino immigrants no word i don't know i was at arby's this week uh if you do arby's once a week it's always a win i think if you do it more frequently than a week uh, once a week it's a loss and my daughter was with me. She loves Arby's. And uh, and I said, and the whole time we're walking, I said, I'm going to order curly fries. And I got up there and I'm like, yeah, I will do the large like Arby meal with, I don't know, crinkle cut. And, and then like we get done and she's like, you know, you order a crinkle cut. I'm like, what? She's like, crinkle, because she did. I'm like, oh, damn it. And it was too long. And the, pro- it was, the process was too far along to like go up and try to change it. So. I'm like, should have done the curly fries. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, well, I thought you made an audible at the counter. Like, you assessed what was happening. You changed changed the play. I'm like, no. Like, you should have you should have interrupted me and said, hey, didn't didn't you mean curly fries? I'm like, damn it, damn it, the hell. That was disappointing. That was, that was sad. They were. I mean, Kriegel cut were okay, but I mean, curly fries are better. Um, almost 40, 10 years, very young. Um, this is not our friend like it was in our 20s uh, when we hated it in grade school. So, yeah. I'm 50. Once you hit 50, yeah, I don't know, things start to slow down. I don't know. I'm just, I just, 50 years old. I don't know. I can still bike. I can still, like, but, like, if I if I kneel down or, or bend over to tie my shoes, it's like, I better have, like, other things I want to do. Like, I have to pick things off the floor, other things, because, like, that's not as easy as when I was 30 or 40. Literally, when I was in my 40, like, I was, I was in, like, Rocky Balboa condition. I was in great shape. So, um, or good from Bullrush. I'll have you know I sold all those monitors for hefty. You should. And congratulations. 22-inch monitors are, like, gold. It's new gold standard. If you open Fort Knox, what you'll find is not gold bars, but 22-inch monitors. Yeah, a whole hell of a lot of them stacked on top of each other, which is actually worth more. A 22-inch monitor sells for $3,000 an ounce. Gold is about $2,000 an ounce. So, Bullrush, you're doing well, my friend. Jim McIntosh, E85 is fine, but sourcing the ethanol from corn is dumb. I agree. Sugar, beets, or switchgrass, right? Which we don't have here. There's just corn. So, um, yeah. Uh, Ting Ting, speak to yourself. Oh, lady. I'm 52. Jim McIntosh, I'm 52. Go to figure out how to get my 120 years. Lots of time. Yeah, man. I've been amateurizing out my lifespan. (laughs) It's because as I look at, like, my retirement planning and stuff like that, I'm like, I, I amateurize everything to 105 years. And I'm like, I highly highly doubt I will be alive in 105 years. Like I do not, or I mean, like, I don't believe I'll be, I'll see my 105th birthday. I just do not envision really any scenario 
where that <clears throat> where that plays out. I just don't see that. So, um, but yeah, even what whatever with technology or things, I'm like no, it's just that is that is likely not happening. So, which I'm fine with. I am, I am, I I am not. You know, my my CPA, my tax CPA, and I, we had this discussion, and she's like, you know, a lot of people get this messed up, like they they try to preserve like a lot of income and stuff for when they're 85, 90 years old. And like at that point, like you're not doing the things that you would do now at 50 or 60, right. That you're putting off traveling or, you know, whatever it is. And so she's, I like her mindset. Like, I think we're really, we're on pace. We're in the same wavelength with that. She's like, it's crazy. You know, people try to think, you know, like, I'm going to save all this money up from I'm 85 and I'm going to do stuff like, no, you know, you're not going to be traveling, doing all the stuff with your 85. Um, bacon, not the bees. Best line is, the, God. So it's the old movie. Trin crinkle cut fries remind me too much of school. Yeah, boorish. And I would say like the crinkle cut fries from Arby's are nothing great. So they're okay. I only remember they were rated for 150, maybe the tires. So yeah, cannonball run. Um, I have to go my, whenever you buy tires here, like in Wisconsin, you have to look at how flexible the tires remain at minus 30 degrees. Right. So that's the whole thing is because it gets so cold here. If you have a high polyurethane rating and tires and stuff like you get to 20 degrees and the tires are useless. They, they just harden. Right. Um, so you have to, to get a tire that has a lot of give, but then it wears faster. So like the tires that are original were original on my Buick LaCrosse at 20,000 miles, I had to ditch them because they were useless in winter, completely useless. And even now on our new Buick, um, even though it has four wheel drive, I'm not sure, or all wheel drive, I'm not sure how long I'll keep those tires versus like swap those out for um, some Michelin, um, you know, that have a softer tread or something like that. It makes a big, it makes a big difference here. It's not the snow. It's not, it's a temperature. When you get down to zero or minus 20, which is a substantial part of being here, um, the tires just suck. If they're not rated for cold weather, they, they're just horrible. Um, literally like you can be on level ground at a stop sign and then, or a stoplight, it turns green and you'll hit the gas and you'll just spin. Right, because you just have no traction. Um, this is bacon and bull rush. I don't mind the fries at Del Taco. I just got to ask them to make them extra crispy since they don't cook them thoroughly. Del Taco. By the way, I really miss Taco Bell's menu. <laughs> like I miss soft tacos, steak tacos, and chili cheese burritos, which they got rid of. Like all my college foods are gone, so it's really disappointing. Uh, the Speedo went this is fast to 140. I buried it, uh, probably pushing the rod tires. It was not a flat straight run either. Seek road. Whoa, sassed on his cannonball run. It's crazy, buddy. Take care. Bull rush to me. If the safe dog dies due to an accident, I'm going to laugh a lot. Why? Why would you do that? I actually think if I were to, I think one of the the if you were to place bets on how the safety dock is going to exit the meat world, it could be like either a bike accident or a bike heart attack. Because one is like bike accident 
because bike like every every year like we have two three people killed in our county by bike accidents like being hit by cars so that could be one or the other is a heart attack because like i do a lot of like steep inclines and stuff and i monitor my heart rate and stuff like that but again like the younger you are the better you can handle that versus like the older and if that happens it happens <laughs> so i'm like it's just, it's just the way that it is i think those are i would i would put my bets on those two um so yeah um jim is saying to save die try to get one more year from that computer in a year everything will have brand new stuff available so current high zoot parts will be second or third best so yeah i mean i the issue i'm running in now to now that i didn't have before is that the thing will freeze so I'll have everything booted up and I'll be working and then it freezes, which is, I never had this before. Again, I'm running, you know, 3.3 gigahertz Intel processor, 32 gig RAM. And so then it just won't respond. So I'll just have to shut it off. And then I have to do the whole, like, you know, F1 startup, F10 and all this. And I'm like, if that really starts to accelerate, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Something's, something's quirky then. So, um, this is from Bullrush too fast. Think about tire speed rings as their four tires are loaded to their max. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. So it's from our bacon. So, um, in my whole studio here is a tax write off. <laughs> so, anyway, right? Um, because I do teach virtual for you know one of the semesters and things like that, but um, but anyway, it's I, I do need to update this this system. Uh, Boris is saying, just put slicks on the back of your car, you'll be fine. So, yeah, I have my uh, I have my Buick Lacrosse, which is a very long vehicle. So, like the depth perception always screws me up on that because I'll pull up in a parking spot and I'll get out and they'll be like four feet in front of the car yet. It's just a very long vehicle. I <laughs> mean, compared to like our SUV. This thing has got to be like two foot longer than our SUV. I mean, it's just it's a, it's strange. The 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 dimensions of this car is so big, like the footprint of it. Um, so yeah, I like it because it's very stable. It's a six cylinder, three hundred eleven horsepower, so it just is, it cruises. But it is just this really big footprint of a vehicle, and you know, it only has the backup sensor, so. Like the new one has all the side sensors in front and tells you where you are in space and like up above sensors, stuff like that. This doesn't have any of it. So you're still kind of guessing. And like I said, I don't, I can never accurately guess where the front of the vehicle is. Like I have, I have, I have a gross idea of where it is. And usually like I'll, I'll be like, I have, I guess it's where it is, it's parked where it is. So is there a reason you did that, sir? I'm like, yes. So. I don't have an accelerometer, but the G-force on those corners were epic for a car. I bet you my lacrosse could corner very well because I have wide tires and it's very low. But, um, yeah, I used to corner like crazy my Dodge Intrepid, which was also one of those, like, push the wheels to the outside vehicles. That was a horrible vehicle, by the way. But, uh, but yeah, I think I could do that. I just I don't drive that way anymore. Intel, NVIDIA, AMD, ARM, all the products do Okay. By the way, here's a story. I used to own like a lot of AMD stock before the September 11th atta attacks, like a thousand shares. 
and then I sold them. <laughs> they were like three dollars a share. Like after September 11th, I, I liquidated my positions, and if I would have hold it, I'd be worth like four million dollars right now. So it's a true story. Actually, I have the receipts for that. So it's disheartening. Um, the safety deck. Feel free. I used to have a Crown Vic. So yeah, I I like the vehicle. There's there are really no there's no negatives to it. It's just like in space, it's a strange vehicle. And because I don't drive a lot, you know, like I get an oil change once every six months, you know, because I I don't drive a lot. Um, and the older I get, like the more disconnected I am from the road and the vehicle and stuff. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> it is this weird sensation for a vehicle that is that damn big. So um, it's a great vehicle to take on vacation. Like I, our SUV is good with all wheel drive and full panoramic sunroof and all this other. For, for some of the vacations we take, like that's awesome. But the other like cruising vacations, like it's the big vehicle with the, you know, the bigger engine and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah. Brandon teaching me about AR-15 deadly weapons was very informing. But AFT has no clue. Oh, my goodness. No kidding, Ting Ting. It's crazy. It's actually crazy. Lotus suspension, hard to beat. Yeah. Don't know. Never had one. Be pretty awesome, though. But I did have a 1988 um, Chrysler LeBaron, for what it's worth. And uh, I did have uh, raised white letter tires on that and, and uh, uh, white with red trim and then the burgundy seats. When I worked at Menards back in 91, 92, and I still had that vehicle, people I worked with would come out after work just to see that vehicle. I always had it shined up really well. I had the tires like all, you know, darkened and stuff like that. It was people, honestly, there were people that would just ask if they could get a ride in, in the LeBaron that had the steel covers for the headlights. And when you would turn the headlights on, the steel covers would come down and retract. It was just really cool. To this day, it's still a hell of a cool vehicle. Um, so it, it was a cool vehicle owner at that time. You can get a G-Force meter, pretty affordable. So yeah. Whoa. This is bacon to your, it is bull rush to, uh, Jim Batgirls. Oh my goodness. Bull rush. So Sask has her bag phone at 89. I dated a girl in high school who had a car phone. So in her Mercedes, her parents' Mercedes. Yeah. Car phone. Interesting. Uh, Doc only gets this from bacon. Gets vehicles that use environmentalist tears or nitrous oxide. So crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I drive so little that I actually have to like drive to make sure I run enough gas through the vehicle that it doesn't go stagnant. It's just it's it's just not what I I don't have to do it anymore. Like I don't really I don't have place to go to work and all the shopping is in town here, really. So uh Cameron. Make sure your computer uptime isn't too high. Long uptime tend to give a lot of little errors. So, right. Cameron, I believe you. I have no idea what you're talking about, though. I just is not, I don't know. I'm not really the computer guy. So, um, I know that one of my fans has died. So, and this, I trust the dude, though, in our community who does this stuff. Um, that he's, he's, and I also have a friend who's, who's a computer whiz um, who built, you know, his own stuff for like the last 40 years that I could take it to him if I absolutely needed to. But um, 
yeah, I need there. I mean, there's other things down here. Like the office has the updated flooring. It's like more modernized, but the one wall has to be painted. And I'm really debating. Um, I'm debating. I don't know if you you know remember Bed Bath and Beyond, which I mean, I don't really I don't go to those stores, but like you know, it was part of our mall close to us stuff like that. But they would have behind the counter. They would have what would look like a window, and it'd be like sunny and bright outside it was just like this this artificial recreation but they sell those now commercially you can get those or you can get like a ceiling like where it looks like you're looking up at a, it's the sky i wouldn't do that because but i could see like in front of me this illusion i think i think psychologically it would be a really good thing for me to replace what's in front of me with like a pretend window that was looking out onto a very sunny landscape i don't know how much that would be but i still think it would be worth it um and maybe even to do that above me in this quadrant or I'm going to, I'm going to consider those things because I think there is this whole psychological trick fragment um, to do that. But um, overheating can't be fixed without fixing the cooling fragmented virtual memory can cause issues. I did defragment. Um, I was 12% uh, fragmented. It's asked. I did defragment. So that helped. So, yeah, I'll have to do something with the fans. That could be the issue. Now, it's weird, though, because it's always like 50 degrees down here, too, and zero humidity. So that's a season. Whoa! I don't know. So I I can sense, though, something needs to be, be done. And I think if I wait, it could be a real problem. <laughs> um, I can't be – I really can't be down here someday and just boot and the system doesn't turn on. That would be bad. Now I do have my laptop, which was fully I built out this laptop at the time too. It's like a three, four thousand dollar laptop, and then that's on Windows 10. And I don't, I mean, I've I use it very rarely, so I could go back to my laptop. That's what I'm gonna have to do to get me by for a while. Um, and then have this system rebuilt. Um, like I said, I have three monitors, I have six feet of monitors in front of me, and then at some point the main monitor I'm gonna replace with a curve monitor, which will be bigger, and then I'll push these side monitors out. Um, I, I should have got some device to stack these monitors so I could go up above. And then I used to have a setup where I had a monitor in the corner where I could show movies. <sighs> ah, all right. Where I, I would watch like Shawshank Redemption, stuff like that. But, oh, defrag memory, defrag disk. Okay. You have to tell me more, but reboot defrag's memory. All right. That could be part of the issue going on here, but I also think there needs to be just a an overhaul of this system. So uh, what causes a green screen? I haven't dealt with that, thankfully. No green screen. I, I here, Here's what I am dealing with. I used to be able to so have three monitors in front of me. I could take one, the screen from me, and move it to the right, and it would just like fully become full screen. And now it doesn't do that anymore. It like becomes partial screen. And that's become a real annoyance both of my screens, like if I drag something over, it doesn't immediately full screen. So if you know like the trick to do that, I know I can like double click on the up above and it'll full screen, but then like that's an extra step. Like it always used to, I just move it over, boom, it was just full screen. It doesn't do that anymore. So I don't know what the hell's going on. What the hell's going on here? So, by the way, um, This is the uh, book that released last week, The Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. 
please. I'm begging you. Go into Amazon or places that sell books. Get this book. Yeah, it is a little pricey as a paperback. I don't set the price. The publisher does. I put 3,000 hours into this. It's well-researched. You're not going to find typos. as custom graphics. It's really, really a good book. I mean, $33, you're like, you're like, you go out to eat once. Like, how much money are you throwing away, right? Or you're filling up with gas or whatever. Not that you just, but I understand. But it is a great book. Leave, get it leave a review for it. Like it means a lot to me to get this out there. Like it's such an important work and you're going to find it to be entertaining. You're going to be like, this is a really good book, right? And like it is really well done. Um, it's the best work I've ever done in my life, you know? And, um, and so I'm excited for it to be out there. So, and uh, because yeah, my book does have pictures. I do have about, 25 between either pictures or diagrams in the book. Some of the pictures I took, others I didn't, but so, um, but in addition to that, you're going to have custom figures that Amy K. Stefano created, which I roughed out and then, you know, she put, so, so this book has a lot of value to it, plus the interviews and everything else. But it, it really means a lot to me for you to review it and to encourage people to buy it. Right. Um, and it's one of those, you know, you get done writing a book like this. I hate to say it, but you're like, well, like, who's going to really read this? Because, you know, it's not going to be one of these like, oh, you know, these big romance, you know, novels. It's going to be the end shelf at a Walmart or something like that. This is a, it's an intellectual book, right? But it's not a, a word salad jargony book. Like it's really cool, really well done. And but you've got to want to accept um, an intellectual read, which I think a number of people do. But you know, again, like if if your whole thing is watching Netflix twenty three hours a day, it's just not what you're going to be into. Um, that's where you know I really I really overthought how impactful the book would be in my community because I donated two copies to my library, two signed hard copies, and. Like they're not being checked out that much. So School of Errors was checked out all the time. Like for like a year, it was always like nonstop checked out. This book isn't being checked out, although it's a great book. But I I just people are not in they're into Netflix and they're into easy stuff and eating ice cream, right? And just hanging out. And this whole thing that feeds your intellectual curiosity isn't there for a lot of people. And that's where you know you write a book like this and you realize there might be a million people who are really into it out of, you know, 200 million adults. You might get one out of 20 people. That's it. And, you know, so it is kind of this weird thing, I feel. But congrats. I appreciate that, Seth. To write a book, you know, it's months of putting together an outline. It's writing a um, proposal to a potential publisher. It's written under a contract, right? So you have to convince them it's worth doing. Um, then all the stuff that goes into writing it, the proofreading it, to member checks, to interviewing people, to transcriptions, to just everything else. And it's like, then it finally comes together and it's like, whoa, it's just really good. So appreciate that. Borosh Bacon. Bacon is an exercise fanatic. Maybe a pop-up book edition. Holy smokes, that'd be crazy. 
Thinking is hard for the masses. Yeah. So this is something, again, not to be in a demeaning way, but it is something. And this book is is not written in a way where people couldn't interface with it. That's not the thing. It's just, you know, like my grandfather, I think, went to sixth grade or eighth grade, but is his formal um, education. and But he read encyclopedias, right? Like he um, sought knowledge out for himself. And like this book isn't beyond the capacity for almost anyone to read. They just have to choose to read it. I think it's more that it's their positionality, right? If there's something in here that they don't agree with, they'll just stop. Um, and I, I, I think people are just more in this entertainment adrenaline rush than uh, an intellectual adrenaline rush. I just, so that's where velocity of information, however awesome that it is. And it's really awesome. It's, it's an extraordinary work. And I think it'll be more appreciated over time as school of errors was school of errors sells as robustly today as it is, as it did the day it was released. But um, this book will gain as people talk about it and share it and more reviews and things like that. But it is this weird thing where, People are, are, are just not willing to engage with scholar, scholarly work. And I kind of knew that going in. But that that's not a reason for not writing it, but just a reality, right? Like if I wrote a, you know, steamy romance novel or something, whatever, it would probably sell 10 times as much, right? Or whatever, or some crazy. No, I guess in this theme, you'd have to do a conspiracy theory. Like you'd have to totally sell out into a conspiracy theory to to, to get people in. So, um, but again, I think over time it holds up. Um, did you include Sparkly Vampire? So, where I did not, I worked a long time on the press release for how we would do the heading. And it was to under, it was like new book reveals people's breaking point during chaos, which we thought would, would cat, be interesting for people, right? Um, and, Although it it really wasn't like right, <laughs> even though you think that would be like a real catchy title, um, I don't know what else could have been there. Um, so it's weird because you have to pick all these things out. And there have been people who have been reading my book and then they put on Kindle quotes like sections of the book, which I really like. And I'm like, maybe that should have been the title or or like the little the heading I use for like press releases. But I'm like, I don't know what else I can do. Like you've, you've got to want it, right? You've, you have to want this information. You have to, you have to want to know how the machine works. And if you don't, you're just not going to subscribe to it. But I think there's enough people out there. Again, it's like School of Errors. School of Errors caught on after people read it and they started to share it with other people. Then it started to get momentum and it just took off. By the way, like I have this uh, story. So this book is a true story. Um, I was, I, I received a phone call early in the week from a man in Florida. And he said, I got your book in the mail. And uh, and I want to tell you the story of what happened. He's like, last night we had tornadoes come through our area. So he said, minimal to moderate damage. Like, I'm okay with my house stuff. But my mailbox was ripped out of the ground, thrown a block away. And I'll, I'm, I'm going to cat here. I'm going to send you a picture of it. So which he did. And, and he said, your book was inside of that in a, in a mailer. 
and I pried open this metal mailbox, which was all bent up because this tornado threw it. Your book was in, in this mailer and it was completely fine. Like not a dent on it. And he's like, the whole thing was like surrounded by water. Like no water got in the, the mailbox. He's like, so I just wanted to tell you. And like, so he, f- he found my contact information, which isn't that hard to find. But, and he's like, uh, I wanted to tell you the story because I know like when you present or things like you probably could share this, like it'd be really fascinating. And, and here's a picture of it. I was like, oh my God, like it's pretty, and thanks for ordering the book, by the way. Um, but yeah. Jim McIntosh, like when the Henry Ford graduated high school, his education was, yeah, no kid, Yeah, Henry Ford. And there was, a, you know, Henry Ford, when he was, um, when he was growing up, like in elementary school, he skipped school one day, a true story. He built a dam in this little river, this small little river, like you could maybe like four or five feet wide stream or whatever. And he, he was making, trying to figure out like a water wheel work, but it flooded this area of his town, including the school. So you got in trouble for that. It's a true story. Um, Bacon to Jim. Based on the, whoa, BMW computer, I almost got out of my car to slice to death because he couldn't figure out how to get out of my car fast enough. I'd say you're unselling that. Whoa, underselling that. Whoa, Bacon. Most people today couldn't pass for the great test for anything. Probably so. Probably so. It certainly, yeah, it's weird. I certainly can't. So, um. Yeah, I don't know. I would, my, my, um, I, you know, my chemistry, my ability to do like chemistry stuff and quantitative mathematics really peaked when I was in my 40s. I didn't, I couldn't do that stuff when I was in high school or my 20s. And when I got into my 40s and like my PhD program, it all kind of came together. Like I just could do it. I, I don't know if I could do it anymore, but I mean, um, so. But anyway, um, as we get close to winding things down here, let's do a couple things here. I've got to clean up this office, but I can't do it until this class is done. This is the most honest book ever written about the $3 billion school safety industry. A little closer to you here, but it really is the most honest book ever written about the $3 billion school safety industry. School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety America. It's just not about school safety. It's it's a huge section in here about the 9-11 Harbor Rescue from Lower Manhattan. Uh, 500,000 people in nine hours. How did it happen? Like there was just one command from Admiral Loy of the Coast Guard saying, hey, if you got a boat, get down here and do it. There's a lot to be carried forward from those chapters in the book and the whole thing with normalcy bias. So it's a really great book. So I highly recommend it. It's coming out in audio, hopefully not in the voice you hear right now, but it's coming out in audio. Um, that I narrate it. Um, in July. It's also coming on paperback. This, my friends, is the preeminent book about how people function, the human condition during 90 days or more of chaos. I wrote this starting in February of 2020, uh, concluded in September of 2021. It's a damn good book. 471 endnotes, but they're all Chicago, Chicago style. Meaning as you read, you'll see like a one, two, three, four, five. It's not going to they'll be at the end of the chapter. So it doesn't disrupt your reading. This is a really good book. 10 interviews, Larry Lawton, Joe Dolio, Clay Martin, Sniper, Morgan Rogue, Survivalist. It's a really good book. Check it out. So Assast is going to turn in here. Good night. Good night, Sast. Appreciate it. I'm going to turn in too because I'm losing my voice. Oh my God. Later, Sast. All right. Bull Rush, our good friend there in Texas. 
So he's a advocate of 22 inch monitors. Personally, I think that's too small. I go with a larger monitor. If I'm you, if I'm you personally, I need my. I have I have three 27 inch monitors, and uh, I um, the main one I need to go larger. So, and I do have the real estate because I have this massive 1940s desk to push my side monitors out and, and stuff. But I I need to go like with a 32 curved on my main monitor, and I really should stack monitors. And um, I don't know. I've got a couple things. I had like a really nice, just was a flat screen TV. It wasn't like high def. And I like sold it at a rummage sale for like 10 bucks, which was stupid. I should have kept it and uh, and just run just run DVDs off. Because one of the things that I'm working is I'd like to have something in the background. Have a movie playing, right? That I'm not really paying attention to, but it's something. Um. Just so that was a among the stupid mistakes of getting rid of that monitor because it played my video game systems too. But got a link. I'll give it a whirl. A moderately sharp score of the percentile. I don't know what you're talking about, Jim. If it's an online IQ test, I don't know what it is, but good night. It's asked one too many. So, all right, everybody. Um, let me just check here if I have anything in the old uh, photo file to share. See, it's the same thing. It's not moving. It's something I screwed up here on my settings. There's nothing wrong with the computer, but it's not. It should populate to the full screen. It's not doing that anymore. I've tried to fix it, but that's not working. So, oh, all right. Let me do this one. All right. So I took this picture on April 8th, three days ago outside of the window of my house. Let me bring this one up on screen here. Share. What? Share. Share. Stop screen. Share. Share screen. This was three days ago. It's my backyard. Three days ago. So I planted these um, spruce with my dad. These were two feet tall. They were both in five-gallon pails, literally two feet tall. We planted these in 2002. And I had another one over here, but then because there's already trees here, it started to grow into everything, and I had to, like, cut it out of here. But, yeah, these two trees, and so this one is, you know, they're, like, 30 foot here, 40 foot here. These things were less than two foot, little scrawny little buggers in a five-gallon pail. So it looks beautiful, but, again, this is April 8th. This sucks. This is horrible. So that was three days ago outside my back window. Um, so in back of that is some parkland. It kind of narrows. It widens up into a big um, protected marsh over here to the right. And then there's some homes in back of me. But in summer, this all greens up. So it's kind of like living in your own private area. Um, it's just kind of sandy soil, even though I've tried to recondition it. You know, once you get in back of kind of this line here that goes from this birch tree over to this oak. Like that's that back is as long as it's green, it doesn't matter if it's weeds or whatever. That's all I'm aiming for back there. But uh, this is the remnants of a, this is the outline of the flower garden, which I pour ash on. I have a big pile of ash back here in back of these trees from my fireplace. 
So then I, I retrieve that and kind of spread it over the lawn in spring. So like I said, it's scenic. This, this would be great for like a December 8th, but not an April 8th. So pretty, pretty damn disappointing. So what I did is I took that and I sent it to my friends in Florida, like Rodney. <laughs> it was like, hey, it's 81 today. Or my friend Rich, you know, it's like, you know, 78. And like, yeah, I'm happy for you guys. But like Bullrush, like I said, it's too damn cold up here. It changes a man. It changes you after a while. You just, I don't know. It's not good. So... I call it nature's dandruff. Nature's dandruff. So, like I said, looks great. And it probably is good in December or January. It's not what you want to wake up to in April. It just, it just sucks. Absolutely sucks. So, yeah. It's really weird because, like I said, you know, we, we, it's not an issue of being able to sell the house. There's multiple people who would be willing to buy the house. Um, it's the fact that I can't convince everybody else in the house to move. So I would be out of here. I, I'd be like, yes, boom, here's the money. And um, I, I have like four, I think I have like four places. I kind of go like one is Dewey, Arizona. I kind of like that area. Um, Jasper, what is it? Georgia, like Northern Georgia. I kind of like Paducah, Kentucky, but there's probably reasons I wouldn't go there. I just, there's not a lot. It's like a kind of a sinking ship right there. It's, it's good to visit. Probably not a good place to invest in a house. Um, new brothels, um, Braunfels, right? Um, Texas. I have friends who live there, interested in that area. St. Joe's, Florida, on the interior toward the Gulf Panhandle. Although, like, storm damage tends to impact that area, so probably not so much. But up north of that, 30 minutes is Valprezio, which would be nice. So I'm there. I'm even semi-warm to Dotham, Alabama. Um so like it would it it wouldn't take a hell of a lot to convince well I would just be picking among those <laughs> amongst those like I'm just so yeah um I'm just out of I just, just do not like this cold weather so have my fill of the state too just not I'm just Wisconsin's it's just done for me so. But, well, everybody, I thank you so much. Um, Ting Ting or anybody out there, um, if you're interested in reviewing this book, please get a hold of me, my contact information. Well, let's just do this since it's not that hard to find. Not that you have to do this whole, like, game to try to find out. How do I contact Doc? Um, this is how to contact me right there. Safetydoc at gmail.com. Let me know who you are, right? And then, um, but yeah, I need I need reviews. I need people to read and review the philosophy of information. So that would be good. But everybody, thank you so much. I'm going to uh, take us out here with some commercials. I have to get up early in the morning. I have, let me see here, how many final exams tomorrow? One, two, three, four. 
four, five, six final exams that I am administering tomorrow. It's a lot. <laughs> It'll be a long day. So those are all all good. And I'm the professor, so, you know, but um, it's a lot of final exams to administer in a day. So start off bright and early. I have a couple, and I have to sign books tomorrow too because I got to get books down to the post office between this. So, yeah. yeah my post office is like always a little, it's like a, a, a little edgy. There are certain people at the, the post office used to have like really jolly old people there. Let's just be honest. When I first moved here and then like my daughter, when she was like four or five years old, she had this like post office, Bert and Ernie, like uh, Ernie. And she took it down there and she gave it to like to the postal guy and he put it up on a shelf and back. And it was there for a couple of years. And now it's like, it's hit and miss. You, you either get the people who, who don't seem like they're at all glad they're there and, and, and they're just, they're not good to interact with. And then, uh, or else you get the people who are really helpful. So like when you mail a, a couple books, like if you mail like four or five, like <laughs> it seems like a real burden for like some of the postal workers, especially if you're mailing something that's to another country. So I always, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to this interaction. I was like, I'm like, that's your job. So it's a lefty's ruining everything. Don't blame me, Doc. So I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't know, man. I'm you got like I said, it's this wet ball effect. You gotta you gotta get yourself out of there. And my own schedule to keep, so I couldn't stop and watch the poop show. No kidding. Um all right. Well, I appreciate all you guys. Jim McIntosh. Let me do a shout out here. Uh Southwood Surfer Bull Rush. And uh, Jim McIntosh, who I might have given a shout out to already, Sass one too many who has left us, but he's in a different time zone. That guy needs his, I don't know if he is in a different time zone anymore. That might just be a big myth because I think he's, I think, I think he moved to the same time zone I am. Yeah. So that just means that guy needs more caffeine. Um, it is uh, Bull Rush Cameron. It's Cameron again. It's Cameron again. Bull Rush, Cameron, Jim. Ting, ting. All right, and Sass. All right. I appreciate all you guys. The show is, you know, we've got the number of viewers. We just don't have a number of watch hours, but we're slowly getting there to the point where we might be able to monetize this for a $1.99 super chat. So that'll be the day. I do think I'm going to bring back Face Validity Fridays here at some point, um, too, once this class kind of digests through the system. So... This is Heath Nightall. This is Cameron. Uh, good show. I appreciate it, buddy. Um, so, um, appreciate all you you guys. This is Jim. Um, hello and goodbye. This is from Jim. Appreciate that. It's uh, Solitude Server. Love your work. I appreciate that, buddy. So, all right. I'll take us out the same way. I haven't heard anything about Burton. Ernie, since you were on Cappy's older brother podcast, hope hope there are. Yeah, it's crazy. Bert Ernie, oh my god! So, yeah, well, let, let me take us out. Soon, I took us. I appreciate all you guys. I'll have a good show for us next week. I don't know what the topic is yet. I got to, I got to think that one out a little bit. But, and remember, the book is out there. So, and I have a ton of stuff on Twitter. Like, if you can just go in and retweet and LinkedIn. If if you're not a friend of me on LinkedIn, go in there and find me on LinkedIn. And. uh 
but on Twitter, like just retweet this stuff. Like, cause I got, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there right now. All right. So I appreciate that. And, uh, I'm going to take us out of here with a back to back commercial. So thank you everybody. As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident and what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David Perodin clarifies human behavior during days, weeks, months, or even years of chaos. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. The velocity of information will teach you how people have done it in history, in the modern day, and even in prison. There are teachable moments on every page. Buy the velocity of information, human thinking during chaotic times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. A must read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims, A brave demonstration of speaking truth to power. School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon.